0: Hello, this is Martin Garrow. You're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. I'm Christopher D. Philippus here with the latest in our series of interview redo specials, featuring the interviews we did with the cast and crew of the new Quantum Leap throughout Season 1, most of which appeared only on our YouTube channel. Now, brace yourselves, because it's time for Episode 7, ye of Little Faith. Quantum Leap's other Halloween episode where Ben leaps into a priest who has to perform an exorcism on a seemingly possessed young woman. This is the creepiest episode of Quantum Leap, this side of the boogeyman. And thanks to Matt and Albie, we got to speak to almost all of the main guest cast that included Elise Levesque who played the nefarious lady of the house, Lola Gray, Shane Callahan, who played her husband, Charlie Gray, Colleen Foy, who played housekeeper Magda and Josh Myers, who played evil uncle Percy. Look, as always, we'd never get any of these scary good interviews without the continued support of you, our listeners with special thanks to our producers, Harold Sullivan, Glenda Palma. Chris, a.k.a. Brackmang, Mike Covert, Jeff Kiska, Craig Reedler, Cosplay Dad, Charles Allen Gossard, and Morgan Felden. If you feel possessed to go that extra mile and become a producer, find out more at patreon.com slash Podcast. Now, I'm going to make like Ben and get the hell out of here. <laughs> On with the show.
1: Father Davenport, thank God. I'm afraid it's gotten worse. Please, come in.
2: Hey there, welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Uh, We're very excited today to be bringing you an interview with Elise Levesque. Elise, welcome to the show
1: thanks guys. Thanks for having me.
2: Now we've just seen Elise in the latest episode O ye of Little Faith, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about that and um, and also uh, some of Elise's other work. Uh, perhaps we could just start by going back to the beginning briefly because you've been acting since you were very young, so can you tell me a little bit about how you got started?:
1: Yeah, so I, I guess I've been doing this gosh, I don't want to do the math necessarily, but I started when I was 11 and I'm 37. So I'll leave that up to you. Um, I am from a very small city in Canada that used to have a pretty uh, budding film industry. Um, and one day my grade six teacher, Miss Krause, shout out to Miss Krause, um, came up to me and was like, there's an open call for this kid's uh, television series that's shooting in town, and I really think you should go and audition for it and I think she thought I'd be good for it because whenever there was an assignment in class, I always like if it was like you can do a presentation or you could write a story or whatever I always like filmed something, like made the other members of the group act it out um, so I was obviously very sort of drawn toward that um to acting and performing. So, um, so she was sort of the person who ushered me in that direction. And I remember I almost, I almost didn't go. And then my mom was like, you know, like, whatever, let's just go. Let's just see what happens. Worst thing you just go, you have an experience, like whatever. And it was so not a traditional audition because usually like an audition, you get sides, you go in and you read. This was like a sit down interview. Um, With this casting director, Jackie Lind, who casts a bunch of stuff in Canada. And all she did for like 10 minutes was just ask me questions. And I remember one of the questions she asked me was, if you could go on a date with anyone, who would it be? And where would you go? And I said, Leonardo DiCaprio, and we would go to McDonald's. And I guess that was like a good enough response because then I got a call back (laughs) and had to actually read something. And then um, I made it into this like repertory company of like 40 some local kids that they would use to cast in these little sort of vignettes. Um, The show was a series of short stories written by kids that then screenwriters took and turned into screenplays. Um, So it was a really formative experience and a, a really good training ground because they taught us. Because pretty much none of these kids had any experience being on a set. So they had like a two-week workshop where they taught us like, you know, how the terminology, what you can kind of expect on a set. We did some acting exercises. And um, yeah, it was a really good sort of beginning. And then I remember on like the first day that my mom mom came to pick me up after my first day of filming. And I was like, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. So at 11, I was like... I found my thing. It's pretty Amazing.
2: Cool. And a, a through line straight from there. Cause I know sometimes child actors have a few years and then think, you know, I've done that. It's not for me, but for you, it's just straight on.
1: Pretty, pretty much. I mean, I, I, yeah, I worked on a few other shows as a kid, as a teenager. And when I graduated high school, I was supposed to go do the third season of this show in another province. And It was all set up and ready to go, so I didn't sign up for university um, because I was going to be filming into the beginning of the school year. And um, and then, fortunately, unfortunately, it got canceled um, before we even started filming the third season. And so I was sort of like left with this moment of, "What do I do? I, you know, I can't get into university right now. Like I missed the window. I don't know what I would even want to study." Um, is acting what I want to do with the rest of my life? I don't know. Um, and then I, I had an opportunity to do some modeling. So I, I started doing that and I did that for about two years, traveled to Asia and Europe. It was a really amazing experience. Um, and I think it actually gave me the confidence to then be sure of what I wanted to do, which was acting. So when I got back to Canada after two years of traveling, I very briefly went to school, you know, just something to sort of occupy myself and also like was working a part-time job to save money so that I could move to Vancouver and pursue acting full-time. That was like 2006. So so pretty pretty steady since then. Yeah.
2: Should we, um, let's jump ahead to Quantum Leap and then I think uh, we'll probably... um take some steps backwards afterwards. So um, could you maybe just talk me through the audition process for Quantum Leap or how you how you became involved in it?
1: Well, the whole world now is self-tapes because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it was just another tape that I did, one that I threw into the void. And I actually auditioned or put myself on tape for the role of Magda, the the maid, Um, And then I was uh, out of town going to a friend's wedding and I got a phone call um, that I'd booked the part. And I remember thinking, I really don't think I'm right for this part. Like I got that part. Wow. Okay. And then maybe like 30 minutes went by and my agent called me back and he's like, wait, they don't want to book you for the part that you read for. They want to book you for the part of the mother. And I was like, the mother, like, wait, what character? I don't remember that in the sides. Like what's the mother. And he's like, I think it's, I think it's a better role for you. And then I got the script and I read it and I was like, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is, this tracks, this is, this is very on brand. <laughs> this is going to be great. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that was it. And then, uh, luckily too, just sidebar, I've, I've, I had worked with the director, Chris Grismer, um, before on a show called The Originals and also very strangely enough, he and I just figured out we're from the same city in Canada. We're both from a city called Regina. That's how it's pronounced. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and, um, uh, yeah, so I'd worked with him before and he was familiar with my work and he was the one who was like, I actually think Lisa's is better for this other part. And luckily nobody objected.
2: Fantastic. And then was that quite a, a, a quick process from auditioning through to getting that news and then straight in? So or were fast. You... Yeah.
1: Yes. It was so fast. I mean, that happens often, especially with episodic, where mm. it's like you put a tape in on a Tuesday and by Wednesday night, you know, you've got the job and then you've got your wardrobe fitting because you start on Friday. Like it's usually <laughs> pretty quick. I think this was like, I found out on a Friday, and then I was into wardrobe on Tuesday and filming Wednesday, so I had like a little bit of time, but it wasn't a ton. You don't—it's not like months of prep or anything. You pretty much yeah. jump right into it. Yeah, you leap in, you leap right into it.
2: <laughs> and I think from the 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 way that this episode set up, uh, I guess all all the actors were there from from day one throughout the entire shoot. Was that right? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. It was interesting because yeah. It's like um, it was kind of a unique experience as a guest star on something because usually, when you're a guest star, you're the only new kid on the block, Mm. and then they've got all these regulars who are there, you know, day in and day out for months. But with this, because Ben is always leaping into these new worlds, you're one of many new kids on the block, which is kind of takes the edge off. So you've got all these people who are sort of in the same boat as you on day one. Like, no one knows how it's going to go. You're all trying to, like, find your footing. Um, And so we actually shot, the first scene we shot was with all the characters in this um, storyline. Which was sort of a nice way to break the ice.
3: Were you excited to uh, work on a Halloween episode? And did it feel like a Halloween thing? It it looks like, it seems like The Exorcist, like a horror movie. Was it kind of fun doing the horror Uh, genre in this uh episodic tv show
1: oh my gosh 100 halloween is my jam it's my favorite time of year (laughs) i I look forward to my monthly watch of the nightmare before christmas um every october and um so yeah i was super pumped when i um got the episode and read that it was halloween and saw just even the references to um sort of halloween of the 1930s and they talked about um there was this sort of thing written in the script, the opening scene where Ben lands in the body of this priest. And there's all these like kids running around these trick or treaters. And it was like Google 1930s Halloween costumes mm. at your own risk. So I immediately like Googled. I don't know if you guys have seen that stuff. It's
4: terrifying.
1: <laughs> like the I masks, these kids, used to wear, terrifying. Mm. It's that is a, a Halloween movie in and of itself. Like someone needs <laughs> to write that. Um, but uh, but yeah, it was super super fun to be filming something like that, and the house we filmed in was so spooky. And we were on the like Universal back lot, which is just such a cool place to be, like right next to the Jaws um, exhibit. So every so often, these like tra- like trains of <laughs> tourists would go by, and you could see because they had to turn the sound off um, of the the like because there's like music and everything for that exhibit they had to turn it off so these poor people just had to like silently watch a shark like come out of the water with no sound effects (laughs) and then continue on their way um but anyway all that to say yeah it was it was really fun to do a halloween episode and to know that it's going to air on halloween is also just a real treat
3: uh it being a period piece of the 1930s did you have to prepare any different than you would for other characters like uh kind of get used to the times or maybe like the mannerisms or uh language
1: yeah i i mean yes and no i think i think sometimes it really depends on what time time period you're doing but um i think we all sort of collectively as a cast didn't you do tend to speak in like a different way which is just more enunciation more enunciation more articulation people back then didn't do a lot of ums and uh and you know, like slang and stuff like that. So it's not really in there. So it's sort of inherently in the text already um, how to speak. So I didn't really feel that I needed to like put too much, like I'm going to talk in a different way. See, like any of that sort of, (laughs) sort of thing. Um, Which actually would be really, really fun to do. (laughs) But, but, but um, I, yeah, I think, I think there can be this sort of false idea people really only spoke like that on television in real life. People didn't really talk like that. I don't, I mean, I don't think, but from what I, from what I gather, um, so no, not, not particularly. I mean, I feel like the wardrobe and the set and so much of the, just the accoutrement of, of the, the, the space, et cetera, just really did so much of that work for us. Um, and then just making sure you're not slurring your words and and speaking clearly, et cetera. I think is is just really what I tried to kind of focus on.
2: I'm always really interested with um, with whether it's scary movies or something like this, a, a, a Halloween episode in an ongoing show. How where the actors are trying so hard to make every beat as terrifying as possible. How do you mm-hmm. take the edge off between shots? What's the atmosphere like on set when the cameras aren't rolling?
1: I mean, you just have to hang around with Raymond and it's <laughs> it's light and funny. Like he's, like, <laughs> we were it, to the point where sometimes because you just get so comfortable with each other after a few days of working, It's filmmaking is such an intensely bonding experience that you start to just, you feel like family after even just a week of working with these people. So we were just like, I remember dying laughing and making jokes like right as Chris would be like action and then we'd all have to like (gasps) be scared or like I was emotional a lot of the time and um and so it's it, it had a pretty light feeling to it just sort of the set in and of itself like it's a real lovely playful um place to go to work so uh hopefully that didn't get in the way of the jumps and the, well, I don't think it did. I'm sure it's, it all came together great, but, um. but yeah, I've done my fair share of, of horror. And I actually find that those sets tend to be the most fun where people are like making the most jokes, maybe to sort of counter the intensity of like, Oh, you're chained to a bed and like blood's dripping from your eyes <laughs> or whatever was. the insane thing is that you're doing. Uh, there tends to be a lot of levity on those sets from what I've experienced.
3: We're nerds here at the quantum League podcast as long uh, and as well as, uh, most of our listeners I'm sure would identify as nerds. So of course we, uh, while we have you, we got to ask about Stargate universe. You were such, so amazing on that show. Uh, what Thank was your experience you. like on that? Yeah. Thank I you. Mean,
1: that's a <laughs> lot to, to Mm -hmm. get into that was like (laughs) two years of, of my young life. Um, it was one of the most special experiences I've had. I've, I feel like I've had like three or four experiences in my career that have been so impactful and, um, special and just sort of different from the other experiences. And that was one of them. Um, we like that the cast of that show. Speaking of family, we were so close. We would hang out on the weekends and take trips together, um, and do all kinds of stuff. And oh, it was such a huge disappointment when we didn't get to come back and finish that story. Hopefully, mm-hmm. at some point, someone will write something. We'll be able to at least like wrap it up because we're all still floating in stasis pods in outer space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it was it was wonderful.
3: Is there ever any talk between you all of like maybe one day we'll do it? Uh, if if it comes along.
1: I mean, oh, oh for sure it- if if it came along, I know I'm telling you right now, you can hold me to it. I would do it. I would totally do it if if someone Brad or Robert were like we've written like a a movie to sort of wrap the whole thing up. I totally would mm-hmm. do it. I think David Blue and I have mm-hmm talked about that a little bit, but, um, but no, I think it's probably that thing where, you know, people have moved on to other things in their life and you never know. You never know. I know that there was a Stargate movie coming out. Did it already come Mm -hmm. out or is it being made? I can't remember, but it didn't have anything to do with.
3: Yeah, Stargate Universe is really one of my favorite shows. I, I love all of Stargate, but uh, Stargate Universe was really special to me. And uh, one of the episodes you're in and uh, was one of the best episodes, I think, of television of all time, of any series, is uh, the episode Time.
1: That's one of the episodes that when I think back on that show, I think of filming because we were filming in rain for days. It's that episode, right? Mm-hmm. Where we're in this like alien planet mm-hmm. and my character gets an alien through the chest. Do you mm-hmm. remember that? right okay yeah so funny story when we the whole uh regular cast of SGU signed on to the show we all were only guaranteed the first six episodes our contracts were such that they could drop us after the first six episodes um i don't know why that's like not really a thing that i've heard of happening but it was part of the deal so everything's going along great. You know, we're all bonding as a cast. The show's a blast to shoot. Episode six comes along and Brad and Robert did not give any of us a heads up when they sent us the script for that episode. And in that episode, every single one of us dies. (laughs) So we all thought as we were reading, I start reading it and like Chloe died pretty quickly with an alien through the Mm. chest. And I was like, Oh my God, I've been written off. Oh my God. Like they did this to to mess with us. (laughs) And, but then as it was going and everyone was dying and once they killed Rush, the main character, I was like, okay, okay. This is some sort of like prank that they've pulled on us. It ended up obviously still being the episode, but it was one of those like solar flare sort of wormhole things. And we're all actually still alive in another universe. Um, but so anyway, that was kind of a nasty little prank that they played on all of us.
3: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Halfway through that episode, I was like, "Well, they're going to have to undo all this because they can't go without half the people," you know. So,
1: yeah, they've killed their entire main cast. (laughs) It was very Game of Thrones (laughs) of them.
3: Yeah, (laughs) back then they didn't do that kind of thing. So,
1: no, they didn't. Yeah, yeah. I love that you love that episode. That was such a fun one to film. Yeah,
3: just the whole series is great. The whole series is very watchable, Mm -hmm. bingeable. So, I I agree.
1: Like a. Thank you. Thank you so much. A year or two ago, I did like a Stargate podcast. uh, This gentleman was was doing this thing where he's going back and talking about the episodes and whatnot. And he wanted to interview me about Air Part 1 and Part 2. So I watched them. I hadn't seen the show in 10 years or something. And I watched it and I was like, this was a great show. It holds up. Like all this time later, the effects hold up, the content holds up, the acting holds up. I was like, yeah, I'm very, very proud to have been a part of that. The
3: franchise. acting and writing were so good. It, just, yeah, it was I about agree. the people and the characters. So that, that's what makes shows great. So that's mm-hmm. like how I first became aware of you. And I thought you were amazing in that show. Uh, and then oh, later on, you. I was watching The Originals. Can you tell us a little bit about The Originals? You spoke a little bit about it earlier, but yeah, that was a great yeah, show. Yeah,
1: because I worked with Chris. I worked with Chris on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I would say that's in one of the other ones that's like a pretty special. Um, was a pretty special experience. I got to go film in Atlanta, which I'd never been to before. Just absolutely mm-hmm. loved working out there. I think it's such a great city. Um And I was so bummed when I got the invitation to the office and was told that I would be dying <laughs> the next mm-hmm. episode because I became very attached to everyone mm-hmm. there and was very welcomed into the into the fold. And I think that was an interesting job because I didn't know what it was gonna turn into for me when I booked it. I thought it was just a guest star. I thought I was just doing one episode. And then I went and I and then and then I sort of heard like, well, you're gonna be in a couple and then you're gonna have this one really prominent episode, and then we don't really know what's gonna happen after that. So I sort of prepared myself for like three episodes of, of work on this. And then luckily I think they just liked what was happening with Joseph and I and the chemistry and this dynamic that they I think, I don't think they had the intention of turning me into sort of one of the villains in the back half of the, of that season, but it just sort of presented itself. And they were like, "Oh, this is an interesting opportunity. This is an interesting place to go with this. So, um, so I ended up getting to play on it a lot longer than I thought I was going to was a pleasant, very pleasant surprise and fun too. I think that might've been like my first sort of bad guy, my first sort of, but comp- complicated villain. Uh, at least I can't, I can't think if I've done anything before that. So that was fun. That was fun for me to play.
3: Awesome. I also wanted to ask you about uh, your time on the Oroville. I'm a big fan of the Oroville. So.
1: Um, that's an interesting, that's an interesting story. I, I, So that was my last in-person audition before everything shut Mm -hmm. down. Um, I think maybe it was like two weeks before the lockdown happened here in Los Angeles. And um, I I heard maybe like a day into the lockdown, like "You're, you're pinned for this job, but we just don't know. Nobody knows what's going on right now. Anyway, the pandemic unfolded. And then November of 2020... As things, as the industry had sort of started to get, you know, going again, my manager was like, hey, can you do a slate for the Orville? Um, you're still up for that job that you were up for like all of these months mm-hmm. ago. So I, I did a slate, didn't hear it. A slate is, I don't know if you know what that is. It's just where you say like, hi, my name's Elise Levesque, I'm 5'9", and I'm based in LA, and they pan up and down your body. And, yeah. Anyway. Um, didn't hear anything for another two months, was in Hawaii doing a, a job out there. And then I heard like, oh, uh, it looks like you're going to get that job. Came back to LA, got a phone call to go and get, do prosthetics, did prosthetics, didn't know when I was going to be filming or anything. Like It was <laughs> because of COVID, it just sent so many things it, like so much was up in the air Shows were shooting in sort of untraditional ways um, to accommodate the possibility of someone getting sick and having to shut down production, et cetera. Um, anyway, so and then obviously it just aired this past like July or June. Yeah, it wasn't that, that long It was ago, like a yeah. two-year, so it was like two <laughs> years almost of this mm-hmm. this thing that I had gone in an audition for. It was just a guest star on something. It's not like it was like. <laughs> a massive studio film and they had all these like special effects to do and all these things so that was kind of a a crazy story and or a crazy uh experience um and then that was my first time wearing heavy prosthetics actually that's not true i did i did wear some pretty crazy prosthetics in a in a show i did called Masters of Horror years ago oh, um yeah 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 where yeah, i yeah. was like yeah where i i mm-hmm. got axed in the head and my face was mm-hmm. split apart so The, Mm -hmm. my eyes were technically like over here. So I was blind (laughs) for a whole day on set while we Mm -hmm. shot this sequence. I couldn't decide to be led around everywhere. And like (laughs) somebody had to like sit me on the toilet. It was awful. It was awful. (laughs) Um, and so, um, I was like, at least with this, I can see, but then they put those contacts in you and you can't see Mm -hmm. those things are insane. Mm -hmm. I don't know how actors who have to wear those day in and day out, how they do it. Cause it took me like 30 minutes for my eyes to adjust to seeing again once they would come out. Um, but anyway, once, once I was there and doing the job, it was great. Seth was lovely, super, uh, fun and easy to work with. And, um, it was such, such an efficient set to be a part of and to be on. It was pretty, it was pretty surreal actually. Um, it was a fun, fun job.
2: Is there anything before we start to move towards a wrap up? Um, is there anything about the experience on Quantum Leap that we've not touched on? Any any other stories you'd like to share? <sighs>
1: oh, gosh, not off the top of my head. I mean, I know we got into like telling ghost stories and stuff a bit. Yes, <laughs> in the theme of like Ooh. Halloween. We were all kind of like sharing little stories and stuff. I wish I could remember some of what what was shared but that was like a fun little thing that we did and um
2: can you remember the ghost story that you shared would you be able to share that with us so many
1: i have so (laughs) many ghost stories i i don't even know which one to tell first if um i lived in a haunted apartment in osaka um when i was there modeling and i was for like weeks experiencing just weird little things in the middle of the night it felt like my bed something was shaking my bed and then i had this little portable alarm clock and i would set it every night and put it beside my bed and every morning i would wake up and it would be knocked over i was like what is going on it's it's japan like there's earthquakes is that what's happening um, and so then i asked my roommate linda i was like are you is your bed shaking in the night when you're sleeping and she was like no my bed not doesn't shake at all i sleep no problem. And I was like, are you coming over to my side of the room by chance? Like, cause my alarm clock keeps getting knocked over. And then it started to be knocked over and like moved I went further and further away from the bed. And she was like, no, why would I come to your side? The doors beside my bed. I'm like, okay. Weird. Um, so this one night I had to get up really early to go do a job in, um, somewhere outside of actually, sorry, it was, this was Tokyo was where my was haunted, (laughs) not Osaka. (laughs) Um, I had to go outside of the city to do a a, a modeling job. And so what they would do is they would print these long pieces of paper and they would have, you know, this was before iPhones. So they would have the directions in English and in Japanese. So if you got lost, you could like show somebody, maybe they'd help you. So I had this like pretty sizable piece of paper. I went to bed at like 930 because I had to be up at four, tacked it to the foot of my bed. The other girls, you know, I think I lived with like three other girls. They were all awake and in the living room. I'm laying there on my side and my bed is shaking, doing its usual like shake thing. And I'm like, missed another night in Tokyo. And then I start to hear like paper cr- crinkling. And I was like, what is that sound? What is that? Roll over, not paying attention to it. The crinkling keeps happening. I sit up, I look up, and I swear I'm not making this up. So it was tacked to the wall, and it was like something had it and was pulling it, like this, like trying to rip it off the wall. And I just watched for like a few seconds in absolute shock. Like I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And then I went, I kind of gasped. I went like... (gasps) And it let go of it and it fell against the wall. And I jumped out of the bed and ran into the living room and was like, oh my God, and crying. And I told the girls what I experienced. And my roommate, Linda, who was like 13, burst into tears. And then this girl, Ludmilla, who was older than us and she had stayed there before, she just very calmly (laughs) turned to me and went, don't you know this place? It's haunted. (laughs) <laughs> i was like what she's like yes many other models wow. they've experienced things here i was like what um, and then the next night it happened again so on monday i went into my agency and i was like i need to move out i can't live there and they i was like it's haunted and they didn't even blink they were like oh yeah we know okay yeah we'll move you I'm like what <laughs> so there you go do 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 spooky season stories
2: wow. <laughs> Gary. I'm not going to sleep tonight now, thank you.
1: <laughs> You're so welcome. You're so welcome. I've got lots more where that came from. I asked for that. <laughs> you, did, you did ask for it.
3: <laughs> a, a perfect ghost story for Halloween night.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. There you go.
2: There you go. So we've... Um we've talked a lot about the present about what's, uh, what's been happening with quantum leap. Um, we've talked about your, your past roles. Um, can we look to the future now? Maybe, is there anything that you've got coming up that you want to share with us? Any projects ongoing?
1: Not a lot. I've got, I, I just did an episode of NCIS, which aired a week ago. Um, and then I did, um, recently there's this show up in Canada called Jan and it's about, um, this uh, Canadian musician, Jan Arden, she plays herself. And one of my really good friends um, created the show for Jan and she, um, they're sort of doing their like end of the show special, which is going to be a Christmas special. And so, um, I was just up in Canada doing that. It's, It's a, it's a fun, quirky comedy sort of thing. And I play this very creepy photographer Um, so that was a fun, challenging little experience. So I don't know when that will be out. And I don't know if that will air in the States. I know that you could stream Jan on Hulu. I don't know if that's the case anymore, but, uh, so I've got that coming up. And other than that, just like hustling, trying to do some writing and producing and seeing where I can get some stuff going on that side of things.
2: Fantastic. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that. Um, in the meantime, Thank you so much for your time, Elise. Thank you for being on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: Hey there, welcome to the Quantum Leap podcast. Uh, we're really excited today to be bringing you an interview with Shane Callahan.
4: Shane, welcome to the show. Hey Matt, thanks for having me, man.
2: Thank you. Uh, Shane, I'm sure you'll all remember, played Charles in Ogie of Little Faith, the recent Halloween episode. Uh, so we'll we'll talk a bit about that um, and some of the stories from behind the scenes there. Uh, but first, Shane, can you tell me a little bit about your your background, how you got into acting? I know you, you had a, quite a, an impressive career, which seems to have exploded well, in the last five or six years. Um, in particular, you, you seem to be suddenly everywhere. Mm-hmm. So could you walk us through that a little bit?
4: uh yeah well i i i ne i haven't really like uh i went to school for f- audio production like in okay and this was back in the day so i learned how to like record an analog and uh it was right before pro tools came out and uh um and then but they they the, the school i was going to offered some film classes and i fell in love with editing and uh and you know we make some super 8 films and some 16 millimeter films and This is right around like the Richard Linklater slacker days and like, uh, you know, uh, 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 El Mariachi or uh, uh, Richard Rodriguez, is that his name? I think around that time Mm -hmm. with the the seven minute or the $7,000 budget film or with the book. Yeah. And um, so, uh, but I was terrified of acting and I was terrified of actors uh, because like an actor didn't show up and I had to like, that was my first time acting was I had to fill in for him on my own short film because he didn't show up. And I was terrified of it, but, uh, uh, when I was, and then I moved to Wilmington, North Carolina at some point after like escaping, like the, I was like, I was sort kind of drifting up and down the coast and I escaped from like uh I didn't escape, but I over dramatize it, um, from like some traveling salesman that I thought was like a fun thing to do to travel around. And it was horrible. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I'd gotten out of that situation and went to Wilmington, North Carolina. And a friend of mine, I'm, became friends with there was in an acting class and I just came and she invited me just to go audit the class and I checked check went to check it out there was an agent there named Shirley Dye this is Wilmington North Carolina and uh, she said get some headshots and give me a call and so I got some headshots and gave her gave her a call and she started sending me out and things worked out and a couple friends of mine convinced me to audition for a play and we're the only three actors that showed up I'd found out after. So we all got the part and I'm like, wow, got the first one. And then, but we're the only ones that showed up. So, but, uh, Don't overthink that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but you know, I, I really fell in love with, uh, fell in love with it through theater, I guess. And, uh, even though the class was all about, uh, all about like, uh, film technique and stuff like that, but, um, uh, yeah. And then, um, Started working in the southeast, like through and uh, Pittsburgh, because I grew mm-hmm. up in Western PA, and uh, you know just working on Dawson's Creek or some movies. Donna Jack in Pittsburgh, you know she's a casting director there, and uh, love her. She's helped me out a lot. And uh, um, yeah, you were you were the, the Tom
2: Hanks look alike in Dawson's Creek, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but like I mean, I. <laughs> I hate because like I, I still you know like a lot of actors get insecure at times and like uh, that, uh, that 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 job pissed me off. Uh, I auditioned for like the first season like a lot and, and man and I wasn't I was still trying to figure things out like I was I was I don't think I was a natural. Like I was like a fifty-fifty shot when I first started. Like sometimes I'd be like, "Oh, that was good," and then sometimes I'd be like, well, "What the hell are you doing, man?" And then <laughs> you know, and uh, so for the first season, I'm sure I've had like a bunch of auditions for that, a bad auditions that show. So, anyways, this I think it was like the second, I forget what it was, but I didn't have to audition for the part. They just called me up, I called my agent, said, "Yeah, they offered you a role," and I was like, "Holy shit, man! I'm this is great." They just, they just offer only now you know and <laughs> so they didn't i couldn't pick up the script and then i was you know they wouldn't give it to me i was like well that's weird i think they'd want me to have the script and i didn't get it till i get on the set and then uh <laughs> i read the script and it, and it, and i was uh an actor auditioning <laughs> for dawson creek's he had for dawson's uh mm-hmm. movie he was a movie f- filmmaker and uh I was supposed to be a bad actor auditioning for his uh, for his movie, and I was like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> like, like you for that. <laughs> this is this is terrible. And uh, uh, and like, so, like, I remember I rebelled against it. Like, I was, I was, I was purposefully, absolutely horrible. Like, uh, I was like walking out of frame and like talking just off and like screwing up the lines because I was. And then it was like, well, he doesn't have to be that bad. And I was like. I was like, "Well, I'm just doing my job." <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was a uh, kind of like a. It was a. Uh, I thought I was hot shit, and then it was like all of a sudden, like, "Oh, damn! I guess I need to I guess I got to get get back to some acting classes," <laughs> which I did. <laughs> Tammy Arnold, and then ever since her, uh, I started to feel like I understood it more. But great, so it's
2: in parallel to that any any more work in editing or doing anything kind of behind the camera or is it at that point post the dawson's creek incident is it just been purely acting
4: no no i've uh done uh uh i edited a season of a cbs show it was on saturday morning called the inspectors uh for a season of that and um that was really fun. I mean, I probably was not qualified to do it, so I was lucky to be doing it. <laughs> love the honesty. Uh, um, I mean, no, I'm, I, mean, I'm a, uh, uh, I got good instincts. I, I have good instincts as an editor, but uh, um, uh, thank God they had an assistant cause, uh, editor uh, to help me because uh, with all the different, you know, uh, codecs and things like that at the time, I'm a little bit better mm. at it now, but, you know, but it was really fun watching actors, you know, I think I was obsessed with like uh matching, you know, with continuity and then you get into it editing and it's just like ah it's not that important. <laughs> it's like it really <laughs> isn't. Like you don't have to always like if I mean it helps, but you know, if like you itch your eyebrow in a scene, you don't have to always do that. Like if it's still the best take after that and they're not going to have you itching it like in a wide shot, it's okay, you know? Yeah. So I like yeah, the there's a, there's
2: always like that that tiny one percent of the audience, which is me watching out for that kind of thing. But so, 99% know, I, of the I, I'm that guy, but most people won't.
4: So I I, I'm, what you say? I well ultimately it's about I what's apologize. the best thing, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, like uh, you know, Martin Scores he, he he a lot of his movies like are you know, there's some stuff in there where it's just like, you know, some shots are very, very different. And even like wobbly crane shots, but it's just it just yeah. whatever's going on. He, I think he's. I don't. know, I'm talking out of my ass right now. But maybe I think he's all about performance. It seems like it. You know, it doesn't yeah, worry about. That's,
2: ultimately, that's what it's all about. So yeah, yeah. So um, okay. So you've you've been doing a bit of bit of both of those. Um, and then you, you were in the theater. Have you been doing much much work in the theater recently, or just I- TV?
4: The last play I did was, uh, with a good friend of mine, um, was true West in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. And, uh, in LA, I did some musical theater back in like the two thousands at some point in time. And, uh, I'm not, I'm not like a musical theater. Uh, I don't know it that well, like musical theater. People like are very, very well educated. I'm not really talking myself up too well. <laughs> but uh, a buddy of mine was the pirate King and pirates of Penzance when I was out here and, uh, mm-hmm. Um, and it was with like it was with like uh, like real opera opera singers like it was an operette like they did an operetta style and I was like uh, and they so he he says and he was the pirate king and he's like oh, come on man you got to come in and audition for this he's like I need I need pirate we need pirates my, my pirates are terrible my pirates are I need pirate energy so I came in and I think I was just brought in to be an absolute Looney Tunes pirate on stage to help bring pirate energy because like I sang the I think I think I forget if I sang happy birthday or the ABCs and I was even at a key but uh <laughs> I worked real hard on it and I got in key finally for the for the to the uh but I didn't even you know by the time we had to perform but uh I didn't know what like if I was baritone or something they asked me are you uh soprano or baritone and I asked a friend of mine who's next I said what are you and he said baritone I said I'm baritone <laughs> so and I followed him around stage because I could sing if I sung in key with him, then I'd be alright. <laughs>
2: so that but, makes
4: perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. But I loved it. I had a blast. You know, it's is it fantastic being a freaking pirate and with like opera singers singing beautifully and like I'd fall in love with everybody because they're just like glorious singers. So
2: So you but, you really have done a, quite a wide variety of stuff. Is Quantum Leap your first horror?
4: My first horror. Uh, well, no, I did Mothman Prophecies with uh, Mark Pellington back in uh, 2001. Uh, and uh, so that would have been – I think that would have been my first horror film that I was a part of. Uh, and um, uh, my storyline got got nudged on the floor on that one, but uh, it was really fun to do. Damn editors. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, but uh, it's all good um mark's a really cool guy awesome director It's really fun to uh work with him because he's you know he's he's just an artist he really is he's a a true artist
2: so how how did you get involved in quantum leap what 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 took you to the audition there
4: well you know it it, it's the same way because i watched i've watched some of uh your podcasts it's same it's self-taping nowadays everything's self-taping right and uh so and it happened fast pretty pretty quickly um you know get an email like mm-hmm. oh cool and then you watch it and then you go and like for instance at this time typically when you get an audition you know you try to if you haven't seen the show i saw i've watched i remember watching the old series uh the original one back in uh because like i was like right in high school when it was on you know and uh killer show you know so it was exciting it was like oh mm-hmm. i didn't even know they were bringing it back and i was like oh my god go on weep i mean i was i got all jazzed up you know because like uh you know, there's some things that are nostalgic in a way that, like, uh, I don't know, anything nostalgic you can get really excited about, you know. And it's like, this is like, for us like, I this is the first time I like called when I found I got casted. I was like, I called like, I was like calling up my friends, like, ah, they're redoing Quantum Leap. I'm gonna do, I'm doing to be a guest star in, and I'm like, what, you know? And it was exciting, you know. I mean, it's every time getting a job is exciting, but like this was, this one had a little extra behind it because it was, because uh, uh, it was Quantum Leap, and um, but. So you get the email and you're like, Oh, cool. And then you go, well, I wonder are they, is the same people is it the same kind of concept. And then only thing you could see at that time, the audition was the trailer. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. So this is, they got definitely more technology now. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and uh, you know, and knocked out the audition and heard back. I think it was maybe a few days later after sending it out. So it's all a strange experience with self taping. I prefer it in person.
2: Yeah, but, I can imagine. Yeah, and then and was that like a few days before? Like you say, it's it seemed to be quite a similar story between a lot of the performers at the moment. It's the, the audition, the news, and then straight onto set within a few days.
4: Yeah, yeah, it was pretty quickly. It was pretty quick, and uh, so and you know, and TV's fast as it is anyway. So, uh, um, but uh, this was really. It was really uh it seems like everybody has similar experience on even in the different episodes. Like the whatever vibe they got going on on uh the set is uh carries over from episode to episode, it seems like, because it's really a fun, casual, like good work environment. And uh um you never know if you're gonna it's gonna be, you know, tense or something and there's absolutely zero uh tenseness. <laughs> in this one. So it was cool. The cast was fun. We all just hung out, you know, when there's lighting shots and things like that, and, you know, cracking jokes and learning about each other, helping each other with auditions that we come, that we got to tape while shooting. <laughs> so it's, it was Oh, wow. Fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to, you know, you're, you got to, you know, you're filming and you have to do another audition. You have to have it done by tomorrow. So, you know, if some, you got actors there. So, you know, you can read lines with people. and, uh, and
2: Yeah, like you say, be... self-taping is obviously the way at the moment. But I think I, I just got it in my head that people self-taping were off in a room somewhere, maybe with a partner or something, a non-acting partner. Uh, but actually, yeah, being able to call on actors to bounce off against must must help.
4: Yeah, it helps a little bit. But when you're reading for somebody, you, you, you more want to support them and... And uh, you don't want to like start like you know really getting into like the the other <laughs> character too much. Hey, I want this role. It, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like you know because you but it, it's just it's uh, uh you just want to keep the timing for the yeah. other person when you're the reader mostly. Yeah. If you're actually taping it, you don't want to like go crazy on the back of the camera because then people become interested in the person and the yeah. reader. <laughs> so.
2: You mentioned that you listened to uh, you'd watched some of the interviews already had you seen Elise's interview?
4: yeah, I did
2: you yeah, it was you cool. may be expecting the question that I'm about to ask you then um so Elise mentioned that uh you you all at one point told ghost stories to each other
4: uh yeah well hers i, I she had told us hers that's that she told in the podcast, which is genuinely creepy and uh yeah. <laughs> Did you did you share a ghost story that you remember? No, I don't really have any – I mean, I have I, – that was – we were sharing that right before we were doing a – we were in between takes on set. So oh, okay. if we were sharing them while we are just hanging out outside in the uh, in the tent, uh, maybe sort of. But sometimes I have a hard time remembering things. So I probably was like – if it came to like, oh, that's why I got to – I probably would have been like, oh, geez, I don't know, Jesus, I got to go through the filing in my brain. You know, but, uh, uh, yeah, the closest I had was to one is, uh, um, but it wasn't really, well, I don't know. It was when it, out in Los Angeles, I was messing around with runes, you know, like the Celtic runes and things like that. And, uh, um, but I was, I, I couldn't make a decision on anything. And I was, this is right after I did that play and the same uh, theater was asking me to do, uh, some other plays. And I was terrified to do them because I didn't think, uh, um, uh, I didn't think I could handle it. And, uh, cause they, it was bigger roles with more singing and like soloing. And I was terrified to sing alone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, so I was like, should I do this? Should I do this? And I'm like doing each Ching. I don't know if that's how you say it. So my apologies if that's not how you say it and like runes and I was doing it and I was doing them wrong, like trying to get an answer because in my mind, I just couldn't make up my decision in my own head. And I felt I felt like I opened up like a bad thing because of that, because I was so anxiety ridden and uh, I got sick for a month and kept going to the doctor and no one knows why I just had a temperature. This was like 2003 or four or something. Mm -hmm. And my roommate at the time, we each had the same dream. Uh, The next night he goes, man, I had this bizarre dream about you. It was scary as hell. And I had the same one where I had saw myself. There was three versions of me. Uh I was sleeping in my bed and there was one of me it was four, I guess, one of me was sitting next to the bed just like cold eyed, looking ahead, and then and then both of us saw this same dream. And then you walked through the hallway, and then there was another one of me in the living room that noticed the observer, which would have been me and my roommate mm-hmm. in his dream, and then it's like, oh shit, and you know. Cause it didn't seem like good me's <laughs> and then we looked back in the kitchen and there was another one that another version of me that just like crossed the frame you know like you know like sort of like that and mm-hmm. then and then uh and then um and then looked back to the one in the living room and the same same version of me said uh said they can see us and then I woke up and that's when he woke up and he told me that dream when I had the same dream and uh and that and that, and then, uh, I was, uh, I was baptized Catholic, um, mm-hmm. and, but I'm not really like a huge church goer, you know, like I never really, but like, I think I was like, I got a cross here somewhere, man. <laughs> then, like, I was, it, I was looking for a cross. Yeah, man. And I'm like, I got, I know I got a cross somewhere and I found a, this cross I had and I'm like, I put a nail in the wall and I put that baby right up there, man. <laughs> Cause mm-hmm. I was like, we, we need everything we got right now. Uh, and, uh, and um, and then I, I put the Celtic runes away because I'm like I am not qualified for this.
2: So, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, fair I mean, enough. Yeah, well,
4: it, it... <laughs> played too many too much Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid, so like I felt like I was probably like, of course I know what to do with these Celtic runes. I mean I I've 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 managed wizards through wars. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if that's a ghost story, but it's a. It's a creepy story.
2: It's a spooky story. It's I. I feel like I'm revisiting Halloween right now. So thank you.
4: There you go. Good.
2: <laughs> That's good. Um, just uh, going into the episode itself a bit. Um, one of the things I'm always interested in is yeah, how the uh, how you kind of keep the the atmosphere light during a, a scary story, and you've spoken a little bit about that already. I also noticed Charles in particular. It's quite a quite a heavy role to play there's a lot of anger there a lot of passion it's maybe for Charles it's the the performance is more about the yeah that kind of heat and fire rather than about the the horror elements can you talk a little bit about a how you prepare for something like that but b also how you keep that light and and keep that levity going with the rest of the cast i assume you didn't have uh falling outs with the lights of the uh josh and the others um,
4: you're right on point. Uh uh, no, no, no falling outs at all. Actually, Josh and I got along very well. I love talking and hanging out. He's 'cause we're we're both uh we're both Pittsburgh Steelers fans. So, okay. you know, we got to like talk about football and things like that and uh and then that's not all we talked about, but it was like, you know, when you're you don't have a choice when you grew up and, you know, for me at least, grew up in Western PA. It's just it's gonna be drilled into you. And um but, uh, so we actually joked actually a lot of times before the scenes, we were actually riff raffing a lot. And, uh, and then all of a sudden it's just like, okay, we're getting ready. And then, uh, and then it's like, poof, all right, you son of a bitch, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so get right, you snap right into it, you know? Cause like he, my brother's totally just, uh, him, the character, speaking as a character now, you know, like he, 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 it's his fault. Like we lost everything at least in my mind, I mean, even though, but yes, it is his fault. No, not even in my mind. It really is. And, uh, so like, yes, uh, my character completely stuck in the horror of just reality and, uh, just the stock market crashing and, and our, what has happened to our, and even more importantly, what is happening to our child, you know? Mm. And, uh, and I would think probably, at this point, you know, the marriage probably wasn't doing that good. Obviously it wasn't because my fricking brother is, uh, you know, planning a getaway with my wife. So, (laughs) (laughs) and killing our daughter at the same time. And and my wife apparently doesn't even, uh, is uh, always like maybe not. Okay. Maybe she didn't think it was going to go that far, but, uh, but uh, from my perspective, it seemed that way. And, uh, um, but to keep it light it wasn't that it really wasn't it's uh uh there's some i mean you know there's some it all depends on what the uh you know uh the director wants too but uh it wasn't really everybody was so professional and all the other actors were so uh ready to go it it was very easy to uh go in and out of it it really was and you have a lot of time in between takes and setups so most of the time, you know, it's, uh, you just, it's good to relax. Cause then when you get, get going again, you know, like whether, you know, if you get angry, you know, like breathing can get strange, you know, things like that. Uh, um, early on in my career, when I've done Shakespeare, I've actually had breathing problems when I got angry. And then by the time I had this give like a monologue and Shakespearean, I couldn't feel my face, you know, <laughs> so like I'm like, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so which is which some people think is a choice and it's like no i'm just desperately trying to feel my face um but uh, <laughs> like say it's very interesting take very interesting way to go about it Yeah, oh, thank you thank you thank you uh but uh you know for this it was very easy is this such a cool cast and we got together very very quickly you know like just got along so it actually was very very good flowing and uh, lots of good flow and it wasn't, uh, um, hard to get, I think anger for a lot of male actors, we can access it pretty quickly. Uh, mm. um, maybe probably for any actor, anger seems to be a pretty, you know, accessible emotion, especially nowadays, you know? Uh, but, uh, it was, uh, it was fun. It was, it really was, I, I was bummed out when it, when it was, when it was, uh, all over
2: on the, the topic of the arc, were you aware of, of how that episode was fitting into the, the bigger picture? Um, because there's this whole ghost story going on throughout, which is actually, um, a, a person from the future trying to communicate with Ray. Were you, were you let in on any of that? have you been following that along?
4: No, I was not aware of that. And, uh, 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 At that time, I think the, when we were filming that, they had just, like, while we were filming is when the first episode aired. Uh, And I think about, that happened about, I think, I think we, you know, it was about like eight, eight to 10 days, I think we filmed. And maybe like on day five or six, I think it was that the first episode aired. And uh, so, you know, we didn't, or at least I didn't. Um, i don't think I don't know if anybody else did, but I didn't know what was uh you know what through line and 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 I didn't need to know either because I just needed to make sure uh, I figured out how to save my daughter and and then deal with what new discoveries happened between my brother and my wife. That's what I was focused on It was fun watching uh Ben and Addison work together on you know because I didn't know exactly how I was going to do, but like the the timing that they have and the different alternate takes they give uh is so fun to watch like you know like the uh the um the scene where like um we're like he finds out that we're gonna you know he needs you have a bathroom and then um uh addison says uh oh no it's a water closet he's like a water closet and you know just the different like rhythms that they do between each other is they're they're so tight and you can i mean you know and i know it's their first but, but it seems like they're on like season eight with like their timing you know already with yes. some because like it's just fun to watch because uh, um it was just funny and of course we can't laugh it's like only in, inside your brain you know as an actor you just be like oh that's that's good shit but you know at the same time you know <laughs> uh uh like if your character's bad not like um uh not I guess that scene was really bad but um it was just fun to watch because they they just had such funny timing
2: this um this did seem to be one of the first episodes that really lent into some of Ray's comic ability I don't know if that was just to offset the uh the horror elements but there was definitely a lot of comedy coming out from from Ben that episode yeah that we had yeah seen like, so I wondered if
4: like season no And does did he say uh in this one he what does he say he says oh uh oh hell no when the uh is that what he says yeah did, did, and does he say, Oh, hell no. And like other, other ones too. Uh, no. As he said, it was, I always wondered if that was because, because didn't like uh, Scott um, Bakula's character, didn't he say it wasn't? Oh boy. Like oh, a boy. big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I always wondered. Yeah, if like no, a, oh.
2: no, in in some of the early trailers and I think in production, they were talking about giving him, Oh shit. As a, oh, shit. as a catchphrase. <laughs> Seems to have been parked at some point. But,
4: uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hell no. Could work. Oh, hell
2: no. Works really well.
4: Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, It's very, uh, I think people can relate
2: to that. Yeah. Um, before we start moving to wrap up, um, are there any other stories from the set that, that you can think of or any, any other experiences that you can share that I haven't, uh, pulled out from you
4: so far? You know, I, I was trying to, it's, it was so like, usually those stories is like when something went wrong or something and there really wasn't any, everything was real smooth. Like it was, uh, you know, there was some fun things like I had remembered, like I had worked with the director Chris before and, uh, we realized okay. that on uh, vampire diaries and a really fun scene, like, uh, 10 years before this. And so it was just like, wait a second. Yeah. Wait a second. And it's just like, and then he, I got, I never knew the story behind, uh uh the scene we did that that episode the, the at the time the people uh, the producers of Vampire Diaries were really like happy with with that episode and that that like he got some uh uh he he got a lot more work from that and i was like well that's cool it's good to be a part of you know <laughs> and, uh um you know just some there was just I uh, i don't really have any like nothing crazy that happened because it was just fun it was just fun to do the craziest thing was like when people uh well, no, no, it wasn't crazy. But like, I remember sometimes I'll have these moments when I'm filming and I'll like catch myself and I'll be like, what the hell are you doing, man? How did you get yourself? How, how the hell are you here right now? And, uh, cause like I grew up in a very small, I mean, a lot of people did a lot of people, very small, you know, I, I didn't think about being, and maybe the quantum leap level of it did it to me. Cause like, I re- remember quantum leap from, you know, watching it as a teenager. And, uh, so it like, you know magnified you know it'd be like being on like you know lord of the rings or something like that you know Mm i think it's a thing and uh uh i just remember it was one day we had well it was you know the scene where um uh um uh we we spot uh uh aunt tessa when she's dead on top of the yeah uh that was you know that was a very quick scene to shoot you know like we come in you know, at least our part, you know, we come in and it's just like, it's just like, ah! and then, and then we're out, you know, <laughs> and then it's, it's cut to commercial or whatever. And, uh, um, that's all we did that, at least I did that one day and Josh too. And I remember thinking, and the Steelers were playing that night. And so we were both like in our trailer next to each other <laughs> and like, we're watching the game and we got the, and it took a while for us to get going. So I'm just like, I'm watching the game and I'm like, Man, what the hell am I doing? Like I'm sitting in this fancy ass trailer Watching the Steelers game on a big screen on the Universal lot, which is like, you know, holy shit! And and uh, I'm like, I'm like, how the hell, you know? And then like the game's over, we lose. That sucked. But then we get on set, and then I start thinking, wow, oh, this is bad. I shouldn't watch Steeler games before filming because, like, that really, that's like maybe it gives me the bad vibes. But <laughs> and then we get on set, yeah, and we finding a dead body. I mean, you you need, yeah, 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 some, yeah. You need to bring you down. Yeah. And then like get on set and then like we go and then like for about 20 minutes, we go in and we're like, go in and like dead body. And then we're out and they're like, cool, you're done for the day. And I'm like, what the, what the hell? I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, it seems so bizarre and like, uh, like <laughs> something I shouldn't be living, but I am. And like, I'm grateful for it, but I guess maybe I feel like I, I have sometimes feel like I, I don't, you know, like it's just really cool, you know, it's, it's like, and, and it's just, but it's really strange. And it's like, I, uh, just a strange experience it'd be like uh it feels like a fantasy land you know and then you're gone and the next thing you know i'm like sitting out in the standing on the side of the road uh um my mother-in-law was in town while we were shooting so uh i'd you know we we got one car so I was waiting for you know my wife to come pick me up so like the next thing you know like i'm watching a game and then, and then i see a dead body and then 15 minutes later i'm just standing on the side of the road and i'm like what the hell was that? You know, and I don't know if that's strange for you, but it just seems so bizarre.
2: <laughs> that's can't even relate living the dream though. Amazing.
4: <laughs> yeah, it, it it does. It feels like that. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. but I think the quantum leap level added to that. Yeah. It's
2: got to. So, but. Shane, you've been super generous with your time and it's been so good talking to you. But before I let you go, can you share with me uh, any upcoming projects you've got that uh, the viewers can can find you on?
4: Yeah, uh it's a movie um we just filmed it. Filmed it uh filmed it after Quantum Leap, uh, uh called Billy Knight. And mm-hmm. um uh it's a uh it's an indie film, uh really cool uh um you know sort of uh, discovery movie and um it's uh, i thought it was just uh, they, say, they said they said that my agent told me it was just you know it's an independent film but it's going to be a fun cast and uh and i was like oh, okay cool and whenever i hear independent film coming from the south you know i mean I, you know sometimes independent film means like you got fifty thousand dollars you know or something <laughs> like that you know so like <laughs> it's uh you, you you don't necessarily think you know and then i look in the, and i look and i find out and then I'm talking to the director, Alec Roth, this is his first movie. And, and, uh, he, uh, was talking to him like on a, you know, like on FaceTime and, um, and he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and then like Al Pacino, you know, feel free to like, uh, you know, play with the lines and stuff like that if you want to and stuff like, you know, it's all good, you know, and and they, Al Pacino has been giving me all kinds of ideas, rehearsals. And I was like, did that son of a gun just say Al Pacino? And, uh, I was trying to play it off, you know, like it was just, uh, uh you know, not a big deal, (laughs) but inside I'm like, is Al Pacino in this damn movie? And then, uh, found out, yeah, he's playing Billy Knight, which is, you know, what the movie is called. And, uh, I was like, holy shit, independent film in Los Angeles is a little bit different.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So that's Billy Knight. And is that expected out next
4: year? I bet next year. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, I played a character called professor Kemper. I'm a, I'm a film teacher. And um, uh, so it's uh, there's uh, I'm, a, I'm a Charlie Heaton's uh, characters uh, teacher, and then also uh, um, a character named Emily, which is Diana Silver's. And uh, it's real. I think it's going to be a really fun movie. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and it's got Al Pacino. So I mean,
2: Al Pacino and Shane Callahan—two great reasons to watch it. <laughs>
4: Thank thank you, that's very generous
2: (laughs) Well, it has been really great talking to you Um, Thank you so much for your time
4: Thank you too, Matt I mean, it's had a great time, man I appreciate it
2: Hi there, welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast Today we have with us Colleen Foy who played the maid Magda in O Ye of Little Faith Colleen, welcome to the show
5: Thank you so much for having me
2: Thanks for joining us. Um, so we're really excited to talk more about your experiences on OE of Little Faith. Um, but perhaps first you could tell us a little bit about your background, um, tell us about what, what got you into the business, um, any highlights in, in your career, any anecdotes you want to share with us about uh, American Sign Language with offensive gestures, <laughs> anything you want to tell us about that.
5: Yes, yeah, the burning question. Just throw that one in there. No, I love it. Um, uh, Well, I'm from Wisconsin originally. I uh, did theater in high school and I made it my major in college. And while I was in college, I learned sign language because I did a play that was written by a deaf man who happened to be a very good friend of mine. And he wanted it to be performed completely in sign language because oftentimes when Uh, a deaf audience member is watching the action on stage. And then they're looking at an interpreter. There's something lost there. There's something lost. Mm -hmm. So he wanted this. It's going to be completely performed in sign language. We'll have it voiced by two actors off stage. So, and he wrote it. Uh, So I had to learn, learn my lines uh, to put it up. And it was his senior thesis. And then the head of the theater department said, this is Great. We're gonna enter it into a competition. And so we entered it into what's called the American College Theater Festival. And we went to sort of like regional local, regional, um, uh, it got bigger and bigger and bigger, and then we won the competition and we went to the Kennedy Center in DC and performed it there. So, um, so my first job out of college was then working for the National Theater of the Deaf. I had that basis of sign language uh by that point and um and I had a blast touring for a year with a the theater company. I played Alice in Alice in Wonderland. And um, when Alice falls down the rabbit hole in Wonderland, she talks with her hands and speaks at the same time. So it's a li- it was a little bit of an opportunity to put a twist on Alice in Wonderland. And I had a blast doing that. Uh, then relocated to Los Angeles. and um, And I needed sign language for the very first film I did too, which was There Will Be Blood. Uh, which I got as an unsigned actor. I couldn't get an agent or a manager to save my life out in Los Angeles. I sort of was uh just couldn't get arrested, man. So um uh I heard that they needed a uh a blonde hearing actor who knows sign language about my age. Uh so I sent in my headshot and resume. Um, and my friend said, send it to five, 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 five Melrose. And I said, okay, I'll send it to five, 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 five Melrose. Turns out that's Paramount Studios. So I was sending it Mm. to Paramount. I was just like five, 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 five. Maybe I can just drop it off. It's like down the street. Mm. Um, had no idea, had (laughs) no idea I was sending it to Paramount. But, um, after three months of waiting to hear from them, I ended up booking that movie. Uh, and, um, and then slowly after that, I started to to uh, get a little get a little work. Um, but the sign language that I use, and there will be blood, and touring with uh, the National Theatre of the Deaf was certainly not the sign language that I use in Tacoma FD, which was <laughs> which was a total blast and so much fun. And I kind of couldn't believe how much humor we could sort of squeeze out of this moment. And um, you know, working with the the, the cast the cast of that show was was really just like I, I it was kind of like a pinch me moment a pinch me moment I couldn't believe I was there and, and making funny with them and also making them laugh and I just I, I felt so good and um yeah that remains something that people talk to me often about <laughs> it's a FD so uh mm-hmm. so yeah that's uh that's a little bit about my background in a nutshell um in the years that I've been here in Los Angeles I started teaching acting teaching audition technique um so for the last 12 and a half years i've been uh teaching through a studio and i'm now the director of the studio so um that has been like a very nice uh uh con constant in my life because this business is so up and down and you just so much of it is out of your control so waiting around can feel so stressful so having that having my students having um, having a, a community has been has been kind of vital.
2: Yeah. yeah, I guess particularly in the last couple of years, with um, everything moving towards uh, virtual tapings yes. and everything that's been happening, that community must be must be vital.
5: Yeah. Absolutely vital. Well, what was wonderful is at our studio, we've always done on-camera audition techniques. So we would, we would sort of simulate an audition experience where we had a room that was, that was sort of, uh, kept nondescript, not cozy, a little bit like an austere casting room. Uh, and so one by one, we, we used to, this was pre-pandemic, have actors go there, you get in, um, they say, okay, great, three, two, on one, you hear the beep and you start your audition. So we have always looked at auditioning on camera as a skill set that we've been building. So, when the pandemic, uh, hit and everything was self-taped and doing Zoom auditions, I did feel like we were several steps ahead, but, but the technical aspects of like lighting and figuring out your, your camera and a little bit of sound, um, that was challenging because that's not necessarily intuitive for me. Uh, neither is Zoom. I mean, I remember getting on Zoom mm-hmm. and be like, how do I operate this? I don't like what. What buttons do I push? I don't know this mm-hmm. platform at all. So, uh, but luckily we had the art, the artistry of of mastering an on camera self tape. We always have a little bit of an eye towards can you be a little bit of the cinematographer? You know, at the end of the scene, typically on um, in TV shows or in films, at the end of the scene there's a close-up, right? There's like, it's going to start with a little bit of a wide shot establishing this is the office. We see the desk, we see the door, she's coming in. And by the very end, it's a nice tight close-up. So can we sort of choreograph it where um, you start to seem a little further back and then in the end, you take a step forward towards camera and you give yourself a little bit of that close-up. So that's been part of our vernacular for a very long time. And I feel so grateful to have had that training um, and then to be able to teach it to other folks yeah because auditioning and acting are so dissimilar in so many ways um yeah i could go on and on you guys might have to like (laughs) rein me in a little bit
2: no i this is fascinating
5: (laughs) yeah thank you
2: So, yeah, could you you tell us a little bit about how you got involved uh, in the show? Sure. Your experience there?
5: Sure. Well, I was aware of Quantum Leap because I'm friends with Ray Lee. I'm friends with uh, Ray. who plays Ben. Um, He's actually part of my uh, acting studio. He's part of the community. So I met him. I think he started class. He came to us, I think, maybe in January, February of 2011. So I've known him for a long time, you know. Pre-Quantum Leap, pre-Tom Cruise. Um, uh, so I was aware of the show and had read it and was just so stoked that he booked it. And, um, uh, and I also taught the script to my students, um, uh, you know, taking a look at it and the, the pilot episode changed quite a bit, uh, as you guys already know, but, um, but was really sort of fascinated by all of it and I could, I could, Uh, I know a script is pretty special when I'm reading it and boom, I see it in my head. Especially, especially pretty special when I can see it in my head, but it's time travel and I, I don't, i haven't conceptualized that a lot before in my life so i thought it was a special script and then i just got an audition sort of out of nowhere as they come and it was over labor day weekend so i had to film over the long weekend and it was a particularly hot weekend like 106 degrees fahrenheit i'm sorry i don't know these uh celsius translation but Mm -hmm. um just so hot so uh like a vacation weekend um but I was like I'm gonna I'm gonna put my everything into this and I didn't tell Ray I didn't contact Ray until until I officially got the word that I had booked it and I always know that the gig is real when when wardrobe calls um because it's all just sort of like the agent telling you this and yes they like you and they want you and this this, is this but when wardrobe calls and says let's schedule you for a wardrobe fitting I feel I always feel like it's said and done. <laughs> now that wardrobe wants to, it's real. yeah, it's real. It's real. Um, so uh, yeah, I had such a blast, even working on the audition script because I could feel it's like just like this who done it? It's almost like an episode of Clue, you know? Um, it, was it the uncle? Uh, it turns out to be the uncle with the po- with the poison um, in the secret closet. But is it, um, is it the maid? Is it the grandma? Is it the dad? Is it mom? Is it you know, what is going on here? Or is it a demon? So um, I was immediately sort of hooked into the whodunit of it all. And I thought it was pretty fun. And um, my grandmother, my mom's mom, my maternal grandmother, who I look quite a lot uh, like when when she was my age, she was a live-in maid. She was a domestic. Um, so I felt a lot of kinship because the character was a live-in uh uh made for this family and my grandmother did that very same work she went up to eighth grade and then after that she went and stayed with the family for the week earned money and then on the weekends came back and was with her family um that was just sort of what what was done in the time so i felt like a very strong kinship immediately to the character yeah (laughs)
2: That might start to lead into um, something I was interested in because um, you you were talking earlier about uh, your approach to auditions and it's clear that you're someone that that puts a lot of thought into the whole process. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested. Magda is somebody that is there um, to do a lot of reacting, a lot of telling the audience how to feel about the characters around her. She's also there as a kind of a pseudo Addison Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that she does against Ray. As soon as Addison's out of the picture, mm-hmm. but without actually that many lines, right. she's always there. But there's not that much material. How do you prepare for a,
5: a role? Ooh, that's such a good question. And um, it's so lovely that you picked up on that because sometimes, you know, as as we're sort of as we're sort of doing it, wondering is my work in, you know, just for me? Is it just sort of like what the actor will enjoy doing and no one will sort of notice it. But the very first two days, so I shot for, I think, seven days on this. The very first two days, I had no lines whatsoever. Um, So they didn't even need to put a microphone on me. Uh, So it really does. um, So I have, I have, I love talking about this stuff. So part of how I, I operate with that is because we shoot, uh, in non-chronological order, um, I wanted to make sure that I was very clear as to what has happened thus far. Um, uh, so uh, I think the very first thing we shot may have been uh, Daisy's birthday, uh, Daisy's birthday. So at that point, I was, it was, there was, there was, I wasn't suspicious of anyone. I was just like, whoa, toxic family here. Just trying to like be seen, but not noticed. I got the cup of tea for, for her if she needs it, but just sort of like, "Whoa." Like just noting everything, but keeping it together, just keeping it together, and then like right away, we would shoot something that happened towards the end of the episode, so I had to be very clear as to chronologically what has happened thus far. Do I know yet about the Jimson weed? um have we brought Daisy into our plan, sort of understanding that, and then um and then what's I find most challenging uh about that, Matt is I want to make sure that i'm that since it's all facial expressions from me that I'm not overacting. I'm not sort of showing mm, all the facial expressions, all the facial expressions, but they're needed. So it's like finding that middle ground. And I think, I think I tend towards, I tend towards overacting. Like I tend to like, if it's a shock moment. So I have to like kind of be constantly rating myself back and be a little, when people say a little grounded, I'm like, that's how I react in real life, you know, by pretty uh, expressive face. And part of that is because in sign language, you use your face to tell, tell a story. So I'm sort of, um, it's sort of right. ingrained in me. Um, but I really, uh, for those moment to moments when it's like, um, uh, it's we're morning days, and we're very sad, I always think, like character thoughts. What is the character thinking? Uh, just so sad that Daisy is gone. And then she rises. <gasps> what is happening here? So I really sort of play in that moment what I call the new truth. The new truth is not sort of uh, like uh I'm not playing like, um, I know this is going on, but i have secretly poisoned. Uh, I know that she was secretly poisoned, but we're pretending this thing, rather than layers and layers. It's just like, oh my gosh, what is happening here? And then a flicker of like, are they catching on to this thing? And then oh, she says that someone has hurt her. Oh, it's you. Are you catching this, Father? You know, sort of having very clear thoughts for each of these moments rather than playing like, now I'm surprised. Now I'm angry. Having a very clear thought uh, helps me so much. <laughs> helps me so much. Um, and you're shooting those scenes for a long time. Uh, oh my gosh. Because you have to get sort of everyone's coverage. Um, everyone's coverage and then you're pushing in with different cameras. So um, uh, having a clear understanding ahead of time rather than like, oh, well, it's hour eight of shooting this scene. Hmm, I'm curious, but I'm what my emotions might be this time. I want to make sure that everything cuts together editing wise. So having clarity before I even step into that scene is, is pretty important to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about you guys, but like after I have lunch, I feel a little sleepier. My reactions might be a little, mm-hmm. a little like getting into like, um, you know, I want to take a carb nap. Uh, but I but but Magda, the character, hasn't done that. It's the same thing. Except now the camera's on me and I can't sort of not have the same expressions. So yeah, thinking about all that stuff, more of a like a holistic approach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh
3: when acting in a Who Done It, is is there a certain like uh, thought that is in your head or an acting technique for at the same time being able to portray um, like guilt and innocence at the same time for the audience that's watching and thinks maybe your character did it or maybe they didn't and ha- right. have it apply to both. Ooh. That-
5: yeah. Oh, that's like, that's a actually a great question because it's almost like I'm looking at it from two points of view. One, as the character's point of view, we need to help this girl. I think there, she's possessed by a demon. And at the same time, me, Colleen, I'm thinking, I know what this moment needs to be for the audience. I know what it needs to be, especially that moment where um, uh, the very first moment of our episode when Ray comes to the door and as I close the door, I sort of look, 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 look. And part of that is um, to hook the audience to watch us at the end of episode six, to uh, hook them so that they show up for episode 107, our episode. Um, so in that look, there has to be a couple couple things. I have to make sure that the audience is, is going, wait, what is going on here? Um, I'm wondering what this what this maid is thinking about. Who is she looking for? Why is she concerned? What is going on here? Um, uh, that, ha- that has to happen. So again, thankfully for me, that couldn't be a very subtle moment because <laughs> I'm not great at the subtlety. That couldn't be a subtle moment, right? If I'm just there and I'm like, Hmm, containing all my emotions, but it's no big deal. The audience isn't going to understand that. Um, So a lot of times our, um our body language, whether that's sort of how we're hunching our shoulders or sort of puffing up our chest or, you know, sort of bowing our heads. A lot of time Magda's head was, was bowed, sort of subservient. Um, uh, and also like our the way we're looking, that's it's almost like we're helping score the uh the episode of TV. Like instead of uh violins, we're seeing people darting eyes and darting eyes and darting eyes. So understanding how how we can perhaps with our instrument collaborate into the Who Done It, I think it's very important. I always think about that stuff, Albie. I'm always thinking about what is my function in this whodunit. Um, uh, and creating a little bit of that red herring, um, uh, no pun intended with that, uh, Mm -hmm. fish under the bed. Um, but, um, we have to create for the audience to not know who it is straight away. There has to be sort of, um, there has to be sort of looks or behaviors that feel like perhaps this is the person. I love that line when, uh, when Ray, uh, when the doctor and the priest are, are talking and they said, we have to find out who put the fish under the bed. And I say, that would be me for a moment. That could be, that would be me. I put it underneath there because I wanted her to suffer and blah, 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 blah. Um, so just for a moment we think, Oh gosh. And then bam, we're in Magda's, uh, room and I'm saying, look, I was protecting her. These are all my potions. These are the things that I was doing. And trust me, that fish was h- for her benefit. Um, but if I just came in and said, um, that would be me. That would be me. I'm the one who put the fish. That ruins the moment. And that was one of my uh, audition sides was, that would be me. Dun, dun. So I kind mm. of uh, wanted to play up that moment. I'm, I'm glad that you asked about that. Yeah. Mm. <laughs>
3: yeah it being a um horror themed episode was there any uh thing that was out of the ordinary for shoot because like i noticed like um you know the fish the lighting the 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 mystery of it all uh the bloody eyes was that like cg did you have to do extra work for that shot to make sure it worked out
5: (laughs) Oh, the bloody eyes um (laughs) uh no, that was all. Yes, computer generated. How crazy! Um, and mm-hmm. at the moment, it was scripted because he is drugged at that point with the Jimson weed, and when he looks up, he sees the blood. Um, uh, and the writer was fighting for that moment. We we need that because sometimes you get crunched for time, and and then if we go and do sort of adding blood, do we like? then we're shooting another scene afterwards. We have to take it off. We sort of lose time, lose money. Um, and she was like, we need that moment because it's really important for Ben to see that, feel like he's losing his mind and it spirals him even more. That's why he scatters away, scurries away. And then the demon pops up. Um, and the director said, look, we'll do it. We'll do it in post because we got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. Um, and so in that moment, I wanted, uh, when I came into that moment, I wanted to be sort of as, still as possible so that the focus could be on the blood. Because if I come in and I say, um, uh, Father, are you all right? And I'm sort of looking him up and down. Obviously, you can tell I'm not very subtle. Father, are you all right? And I'm looking up and down and I'm shaking my head. It's going to distract from the main thing, which is the blood coming from the eyes, which is so cool. Um, and then also there's another horror aspect with the sort of atmosphere that they, they um, I wish I knew better what they call it, but sort of like it was kind of smoke filled, hazy all the time, which um, is kind of hard to breathe in that. Elise and I um, were both just like coughing and I started to lose my voice a little bit one day because of that that atmosphere that they're pumping in there. It's, um also, uh, I mean, this is like the non-glamorous stuff, but my, my eyes were hurting. I had to take um, backup contact lenses and contact solution just because um, it really has an effect on, it really affected me physically quite a lot. So um, so that aspect um, uh, was was pretty interesting. And then I loved seeing the actual episode because the way that they played with all those the, uh, with the demon and her scurrying and the computer generated and even Addison sort of like, uh, fritzing out. I just thought they did such a fantastic job. Um I haven't done a lot of, uh, TV or film with a lot of, uh, special effects. It's mostly, I've done a, a lot of, the emotions are the special effects. There's, there's sadness and trauma and overcoming. Um, so to be a part of something and be like, oh, that's so cool like that actually wasn't what it looked like on the day we shot it it just felt I felt such glee I felt such joy felt like a like a kid getting a, a, a wish come true it was it was awesome and I think the director and the the DP were just like
4: so dialed
5: into what needed to happen oh my gosh As soon as they would sort of say this is what the next shot is going to be, boom, people are moving lights, people are pumping in um, uh, the atmosphere, people are turning on the AC so we can just cool down a little bit, people are moving the bed, Um, people are cleaning up blood, people are bringing in a fresh fish, uh, as fresh as a dead fish can be, right? Uh, So, yeah, it was just awesome to see how they all work together to accomplish the vibe of a horror horror film, of a horror film done in network TV. How cool.
2: Wait, that—that that was a real fish. It was. A, Sorry, that's, it was that's my takeaway fish. from everything
5: you just said. It was, it was a real wow. fish, and um, I couldn't believe it because they had a fake fish, and um, that was wrapped up in the paper. And I was, and um, that's pretty typical. There's a lot of fake things everywhere um, in TV and filmmaking. You know, if you go to like uh, one of my characters on a different show, I opened up the fridge, and it's just fake. Fake, 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 empty, you know, everything, everything smoke and mirrors. But they brought in a real fish for the actual take and the maggots were, was risotto. They had cooked some risotto yeah. so that it looked like maggots. Um, and luckily mm. they had been storing it properly. Well, so it didn't, weird. right? So it didn't smell <laughs> awful. It was, um, uh, it was a non smelly fish. Uh, but there's a lot of takes on the cutting room floor where Ray, was would be saying his lines and then Ooh! he'd be mid oooh. He was just playing for the camera. Everyone was cracking up. I I really was curious that they were gonna use any of it, but I think it perhaps took away from the uh stakes of the moment. But it was a, a whole a whole amazing take where um where Ben's song is Ooh! in, in uh, every single line pretty funny yeah real fish how crazy
2: <laughs> I, just just talking about that that moment with Ray I imagine it's quite hard to keep that tension uh going that much for what an eight-day shoot is it yes uh, without some without some levity on set as well yes can you talk about that a bit oh
5: yeah absolutely well I think the hard thing about uh adding levity in uh is that we don't want to take away from the work It's uh it's great to have levity but if you ruin someone's shot and they've just spent an hour and a half lighting it perfectly or you know this is the last last cake that props has or um uh you know uh daisy has her contacts in which were very hard to see with if you're hurting anyone or delaying their process then it's, it's not fun to have that, that levity. It kind of works against you. I think, I think Ray does such a fantastic job of knowing when it's appropriate and, and he kind of sets the tone of everything. I always feel like the lead or what I call the number one on the call sheet uh, they set the tone for everything. So when I worked on Castle, it's Nathan Fillion. Um, when I worked on 911 Lone Star, it's Rob Lowe. Uh, they really set the tone for everything and how, um, and how well things go or, um, how, how stressful they will be. And I think Ray set the tone gorgeously. There was a moment, um, at the very end, when it's revealed that Daisy had just been poisoned, and her mom and her uncle are carted off, and at the very end, Charles Daisy's father embraces her, and there was a take where Ray gave it a beat, and then he let himself in on the hog, so it was a triple <laughs> hug right there, but he knows that that he gave it a beat so that the camera got the moment they can cut, and then he goes in for the hug so he's not it's not disrespectful to any cast or crew members uh, I think that's so important but you're right if it's just if it's just horror movies and it's the demon father it's the demon for eight days straight it's going to be uh it's going to be hard it's going to be hard to get through but luckily it was just like the loveliest i listened to your um interview with elise and she's right it was just the loveliest set so fantastic yeah
3: i i find it really interesting that you knew ray before you filmed this episode that really um informs uh, my memory of it i just watched it again today fifth sixth time i don't even know um but uh when you were his like impromptu companion in this episode uh when he didn't have um uh his normal hologram uh mm-hmm. did did your past relationship with him uh like help that uh in the characters because you're not supposed to know each other of course before right. in the episode but like working together what was that like working with ray having known him before and doing those scenes together like you when you were teamed up for that section of
5: the episode yeah well i tell you i felt so secure doing it i think a lot of times um actors can get pretty self-obsessed you know am i doing okay is any no one's patting me on the back after every take am i doing all right um and there were there uh I, I actually feel like I don't do a, a lot of that. I feel pretty secure in what I do, but with Ray, I just felt held when you're looking, when you're looking at someone um in the scene and you know that they're not just waiting for their lines. They're not just waiting for their cue. He's actually listening and I can see him processing what I'm saying so that when I, when I'm speaking to him and he's processing and then he's speaking back to me, I can then process how he is saying it and then respond to him. And it, it, it almost becomes feels a little. Um, this is gonna sound so woo woo and so actory, but a little like an out of body experience where you're just sort of being taken on this ride. Or actually, I'm gonna use a different analogy because that is maybe a little too woo woo. Um, but like a surfer catching a wave. And again, guys, I've never surfed, so I'm, I'm, I'm using this analogy without actually knowing it. But I feel like like you're in the water and then whoo, you catch the wave and you're just being taken. Um, I felt so uh, secure in working with him because um, there was, I think an underlying trust there. You, that is, you don't always get that when you show up to set and you're like, I don't know this person at all. And suddenly we have to solve a crime together and I care about this young girl. Uh, But I felt like, because we had, um, because we had that rapport, it just, it just felt so good. And like second nature. And also because we're from the ch- same training, we have the same training, um, I felt so confident. Oftentimes, I think what I'm not saying is I've had experiences where the other actor isn't giving me anything. Unless the camera is on them, they're not giving me anything. In fact, I even had experience where I'm doing the scene with the actor's stand-in, and their lines are being yelled to me from off camera. Um so, and it feels it feels uh it feels like you're out like on your own, out on a limb, no one's got you, there's no security. And that's, I think, when a lot of the insecurities pop up. Um, uh, however, Ray was completely present for every single, for every single moment, even when the camera was not on him. Um, it was capturing me. He set me up as a, as a beautiful scene partner. Um, and then if you don't mind, Albie, I know this wasn't quite your question, but the very first, or I'm sorry, not the very first, uh, one of the days when we were shooting was the day that the quantum, quantum leap premiered on TV. So during our lunch break, they screened the first episode for us. Uh, so everyone stopped what they were doing. They had a whole empty sound stage, which is huge. And they had screens set up. And I got to sit next to Ray while he was watching the first episode for the very first time. And that felt so special and emotional. And, um, oh, it just felt. I just felt so grateful um if my footage didn't look as as good as I think it does if if they didn't cut away to me, that's fine to so have that moment with a friend felt um uh felt i wish I had a better word it felt felt like such a gift and um and I've known him for so long that I've seen all the hard work that he's put in. He was on a show. It got canceled. Um, he did this thing. It didn't quite work out. So to see the actual fruition of all of the work that he's put in, to sit next to him and watch his name come up first on the screen. Ah, it just made me so much. i so been thinking about it now. I get a little emotional um, because he's a good person. Um, there's a lot of people who get their dreams come true in Los Angeles. And they've hurt people along the way and they've been disrespectful and they don't look out for others and they don't know the names of anyone on set and i'm happy for them but it feels different when it's someone who is kind and takes time he knows everyone's name on set every single person and that's a rarity it really is uh so yeah how, how awesome right <laughs> yeah
3: wow how was that screening? Uh, was everybody that was watching it, you know, uh, cast and crew and production people, uh, were they all laughing at the right parts and enjoying it? Or what was that like?
5: Yes. Yes. Although we all had to be masked. So it was uh, so. So I think there was a little bit of like laughter and and, um, uh, you know, the, the ooing and eye was a little bit muffled. Because everyone <laughs> had their masks on and we all had to be socially distanced. Mm-hmm. So it was like kind of like yeah. an airport hanger, but you're a little bit mm-hmm. distanced. You all have a mask on. Um, so, uh, so yes, but also it would have been different. So I, I think in, in, let's say, let's say I'm sitting next to my sister watching her daughter in a, a ballet recital and the music's loud, but I, and I have my mask on. I want her to know that I love what her daughter my niece is doing so instead of going "Mm," i would "Mm," you know make sure that Mm -hmm. she can hear and that she sort of sees it So it was the same thing when watching with ray um uh there's a moment like like you know give him a little smack like that's you look how cool that is because there's some really cool action stuff and um and a lot of fantastic moments and he's so good at adding comedic moments in. <laughs> but they're really nice and subtle and clever. And I wanted to know, like, that was amazing. That was so good. Uh, and also, you know, the showrunners were there and the creators and everyone. So um, had we been in a smaller quarters without masks, it would have been like like rip-roaring. Um, how it happened was a little bit more contained. But like, whoa, to see it all come together was pretty spectacular <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> um we we got an opportunity to see a cast photo of everyone from this episode and uh i had a question uh there's a little mystery of uh do you know the actress's name who played the shadow the uh demon for the background Haley. shots
5: yeah Haley. Haley. yeah okay i hey, can also i you. can also give you her um i can give you her last name too if you want i don't i don't remember that off the top of my head but yeah okay wonderful. that
3: would be amazing because then matt could get in contact with her so we could find yeah. out more about that <laughs> so, Ooh. So, yeah. it's just been a mystery for the longest time but now we know yeah, yeah. so much
5: yeah absolutely okay. she was good oh she was awesome yeah yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
3: so uh what was it like the whole group um the whole filming like uh with all the other actors uh was it like one of those instant family kind of things for the three days or seven days
5: it was (laughs) and i know that sounds super cliche but um but it was because well, for a couple of reasons. One, we're all just thrilled to be employed, right? We're all just like mm-hmm. thrilled to be working. A paycheck is coming. And also um, because we were all together kind of all the time, um, Margarita Matthews, who wrote the episode, I said to her, how did you come up with this? Where did this come from? And she said, well, I was tasked with writing an episode that takes place in one location. So, okay, great. A house. So we have to sort of fill it with characters because we can't have a ton of people coming in and coming out. We had the constable, we had, um, the doctor, but otherwise it's sort of a family situation. So because all of us were all together, uh, we spent a lot of time together and because of COVID restrictions, um, we had to be sort of sequestered in like a makeshift tent. Um, so there was just a lot of, a lot of, a lot of chit chat and, you know, actors want to talk actor stuff. So, um, so a little bit of, I would want to know what people's auditions are like because I teach auditioning. I don't know, like what's your audition like? Uh, how did you approach it? What was the scenes like? Uh, turns out Elise and I have so many friends in common. Um, uh, Shane, Shane and I have a few things uh, in common. Carrie, Carrie is just the sweetest human in the world. Um, and then Amanda who played great aunt Tessa was a whoo. Oh my Mm -hmm. gosh. She was a hoot. I was so sad when she was, was dead and gone. Um, because Mm -hmm. to have her around, I was just like, I, I, I called her the gross, the, uh, the ghost of Christmas future, because that's what I want to be. I want to be Amanda when I grow up. Um, everyone Mm -hmm. was just so lovely and, and so much fun. Yeah. Uh,
3: a couple other silly questions. Um, like uh the gag of the uh 669 turning into 666 was that uh was there a guy in a ladder with a stick or a string or something
5: Can yes, you talk about the silly was. things that we
3: wouldn't yeah okay cool yeah
5: well, I'm so <laughs> I I love talking about the silly things because in the mm-hmm. moment, I was like, this is so wild. And if anyone saw like the behind the scenes of it, we're not allowed to take any photos or any sort of behind the scenes stuff. And I wanted to be very respectful. But at the same time, I was like, yo, someone has to capture this because it's so cool. Um, so they literally had, um, it's like a dowel going all the way through and, um, and they would turn it and they wanted when it turned, when these, uh, when the nine turned to a six, they wanted it to sort of like, uh, um, wiggle a little bit before it came to a still. (laughs) So it was about getting the timing right of all of that. And they wanted it to be within one shot. Of course they could have cut, cut from, cut from Magda looking concerned, cut right up. But I think it's, um, it speaks to the, uh, sort of desire of the filmmakers. We want to get this in one cut. Hello Kitty. Uh, so Mm -hmm. we want to have it all done at the same time. So yes, someone on a ladder, moving a dowel. And of course you're uh, letting him into the house and paying no attention to the man on the ladder with a dowel, <laughs> moving the numbers. <laughs> uh, it's so fun, like what's going on behind the scenes. Yes, that was, that wow. was awesome. A practical, practical thing. Yeah.
3: Very cool. See, now we know. Uh, you, you just wonder about those things when you're watching for the fifth time or yeah. so. Um, yeah. Uh, the soup, was it like uh, prop soup? Was it real soup?
5: It was prop soup. <laughs> It was prop soup okay. and he would um he would always sort of bring it out to me. They didn't want it to spill. So whenever a take was over and they were setting up something, um uh comes and like takes the little tray out of my hands and it disappears and then when we go to shoot again, it just sort of reappears in my hands. Um so it was like a uh, like a vegetable, a vegetable soup. And um uh there were times when it was warmed up so it had a little bit of like a lovely tomatoy smell. <laughs> um uh yeah yeah how so interesting right very yeah. cool
3: very cool very
5: mm-hmm.
2: cool so real fish prop soup real Yeah. yeah that's
5: we, right that's right that's right our
3: money was on uh rubber fish but i think it was the risotto that fooled us so that's interesting to know risotto. I'm glad yeah, they didn't the do maggot real maggots. Risotto. That always, like, turns me off. Yeah, when I see that. Oh,
5: my God. Oh, <laughs> yes. If they had, like, moved or, like, crawled, it would have been so icky. Yeah. Oh, gross. Uh,
3: there was, uh, like, um, your character had, like, a Jewish mysticism kind of thing going mm-hmm. on. Uh, was there anybody on set to to instruct you about that? Or was it just, like, you had to do your own research or just go with what the, was on the page more
5: yeah it was mostly the latter uh, the latter two go with what's on the page and let that dictate the research that I did um and uh and really not necessarily bring a lot of my own ideas to it just let it be what it is and then um although there wasn't necessarily an expert on that kind of mysticism on set margarita had done her homework she really had Mm -hmm. and um and chris the director um uh was very uh was very useful in guiding us through all of it um uh and really what it was is playing to magda's strength of it's a demon i tell you this is what is going on um and then oh man i wish i could show you a picture of all the amazing things in magda's room but they decorated it impeccably oh it was so incredible with um dried uh dried flowers and herbs and everything was labeled and it was so gorgeous um it was incredible really incredible i think that's stuff that you won't necessarily see but you see it Sort of in our performance because I don't have to sort of go like I'm a woman who believes in mysticism, right? But because <laughs> I, because I'm surrounded by all of it, I just sit on the edge of my bed and say it was the Dybbuk, and this is why I did it. Um, uh, their their work gives us a little bit more confidence, a little bit of a foundation, so that we don't have to push anything. It's kind of right there. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Awesome. My my last uh, question about this episode is: uh, what 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 will be your biggest takeaway from the whole filming experience of uh, filming O.E. of Little Faith?
5: Ooh, that is a really good question. Um, well, the takeaway that I've been talking about most with my students is: I love an ensemble. I really love working with an ensemble. Um, it's uh, getting to play with other actors. Is, um, one of the greatest joys I have as an actor. Not necessarily creating a character or, um, learning this whole new sort of, um, uh, legal, uh, jargon or, um, uh, presenting as this kind of mom. I, I get joy from that, but working with other actors is, it, this really sort of filled my tank as far as, uh, as far as those experiences. Um, I just loved watching Shane, Ibis, uh, Josh, Carrie blew me away, Amanda, uh, Caitlin when she was there, uh, Cheeto when he was there, and then Ray, just being able to watch and listen and see what they do. Um, it fills me with a kind of joy that I think I had been missing out on, um, in a lot of the, the work that I do. Uh, TV and film work that I do, i really missed that ensemble feel. It um, it was just just wonderful. Yeah, I think that'll be that'll be the lasting thing uh, for me. Yeah, uh,
2: Colleen, you've been super generous with your time. Um, I just wonder if we could wrap up by talking a little bit about the future. Um, one thing, and this is just an observation, um, the way that you talk about your interaction with the other actors and and your joy at at, at observing and working with actors is is there a future in directing for you because the way you talk about this you sound like one of those to me anyway one of those kind of actor directors that that really gets it and gives actors the chance to to play and do what they do best is that something that you've ever considered
5: it's something that people keep bringing up to me, similar to what just happened. People will say, "I think, I think you have an eye for this, or you have an ear for this." Um, and I do spend a lot of my time because I teach and coach actors specifically on auditions. I try and think a lot from the director's standpoint and also from the producer's standpoint. If we are looking to have a a, a who done it episode, great. You're, you're great. We're invited to a murder mystery party. Are we the sleuth? Are we the assistant sleuth? Are we the red herring? Are we the villain who seems completely innocent at the very beginning? Um, I think I, I think a lot like that. And people have brought, brought it to my attention a lot. I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps I uh, had the opportunity earlier this year to be the onset coach for a TV show. And I really enjoyed that. Um uh I really enjoyed that. And we'll see, I guess, where that sort of takes me. But I also love to be directed. I love to be uh to have someone suggest something to me. Uh for example, when Mog in her room and saying, um, I planted the fish and this is why I did it. Chris uh encouraged me to do uh I was I was coming at it very much from like, I believe in what I did and I'm proud of it. Chris Chris uh suggested I do a take where it's sort of like I'm sorry that I, I haven't come clean before. I planted the fish and this is why I did it. I love having a suggestion come my way and being able to run with it. Um, so as much as I may have a bit of a directing eye or um, a heart for it, I also really love being directed. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but I really appreciate that, Matt. I, 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 I receive that. That's really lovely to say. Thank you. Um,
2: can you... Tell me a little bit about what, what you do have coming up then. Sure. You got any, any shows or films that are, uh, in, in production at the moment? Yeah. Um,
5: so I did a film last year called The Madocini Family and it's, uh, I just saw a cut of it and it, had me in tears very quickly, very quickly in the movie. It's a very touching film. And it's done by uh two lovely gentlemen, Danny and Andy and Danny and Andy Valentine. And uh one wrote, one directed, and they were so masterful with what they did. So we're hoping to hear soon about some festivals in twenty twenty three. Uh and also a short film that I did. Oh boy, pre-pandemic, it's called the Green Cobra. Uh, we got a lot of festival love, but it happened during, during, uh, the early part of the pandemic. So, uh, our cinematographer just won a really big award from, uh, the Cinematographer's Guild. So we're thinking about turning that into a feature. And, um, uh, while we're still sort of being shown in, in, uh, in festivals and things like that. There's a hope to turn it into, uh, a film. And I play the Green Cobra. I play a, um, uh, uh, a young woman who's a little disillusioned with life and capitalism, so she becomes a hit woman. You know, a little, a little murder <laughs> for hire never hurt anyone. In this economy? Come on. Uh, so it's, it's all about bringing her sort of, um, feminine, pseudo-youthful take to, to this uh, to this profession I would love to do that again it was a blast yeah
2: sounds great that sounds like um some some things coming up then for the fans to watch yeah out for.
5: yeah I hope so
2: <laughs> so um yeah thank you again very much for your time
5: thank you so much it was so fun chatting with you both and I I really appreciate how much uh, time you had put into watching the episode and coming up with the questions, um, uh, that, that means a lot. So, thank you.
2: Hi there. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Uh, I'm very excited today to have with me Josh Myers, uh, alias Uncle Percy from OE of Little Faith. Uh, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Um. Let's dive straight in. Um, I really want to talk to you about your experiences on, uh, on Quantum Leap, of course, but um, perhaps you can share a bit about yourself uh, with the audience. Tell us where we might have seen you in the past, uh, how you got into, into the world of TV. Sure.
6: I, was, um, uh, I went to school at Northwestern in Chicago, and then uh, right from there, I moved to Amsterdam and worked for a comedy theater, uh, an improv comedy theater. So if you were in Amsterdam from 98, to 2002 and saw a guy with a big ponytail on stage. Uh, I knew I'd seen you mean. somewhere. Oh yeah, that could be it. That could be it. <laughs> um, and we did the we did the Edinburgh Festival uh, several times, which was uh, which was great. And then yeah, I moved back to the states. Um, a good friend of mine, Ike Barinholtz, who some of your viewers might know, um, really talented uh, talented actor, comedian. Uh, he and I did a two person show, and then got on Mad TV. Um, I was on Mad TV for a couple years. I did the last season of that 70s show that a lot of people, uh, really don't like me, uh, because of, because they were like, you stole Eric's girlfriend. And I was like, no, no, no. Topher Grace went to go be in Spider Man 2 or 3. I just, I got a job. Like that, Donna is not a real <laughs> person. She's a character, but I was Donna's new boyfriend in that last season. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Bits and bobs here and there. I did, uh, I did a series on Amazon that I quite like called Red Oaks that has three seasons. Uh, sort of like a shortened third season, but that, uh, that I really liked. And yeah, I don't know, sort of always bits and pieces and cobbling it together. I do some writing and do some acting and got this job on Quantum Leap, which brought me here to be with you.
2: Fantastic. Um, So, yeah, so so you sort of started off doing stand up and then moved into into comic acting whilst keeping. the
6: Yeah, I did more more improv than stand up. Stand up's always weirded me out a little bit. I've done some, but not Mm -hmm. uh, I would not consider myself a stand up. But yeah, improv (coughs) leading into more television work. And uh, and yeah, yeah. So that's that's how it went down.
2: And do you have much of a? Because although this episode of Quantum Leap has plenty of comic elements, particularly for Percy, it's it's quite a quite a dramatic piece. Do you do you have yeah. do, you, do you delve much into the dramatic side? Uh, I, I mean, I a, always I love an
6: opportunity to do something like this, um, and sort of like when I get cast and then show up <coughs> on set. There's. It's clear, like, the family around me is sort of my my TV family. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, they do a lot of drama. They'll do a lot of sort of our drama and sort of that, live in that world. And I feel like a bit of an outsider. Um, but I also like that because I come from sort of real comedy. Um, and, like, Raymond Lee clearly has done a lot of comedy. And he's super funny and incredibly charming. Um, but it is... Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm sort of getting into the drama kids club uh for a week or two weeks when I do a show like this and uh yeah, really enjoy it. And I worry sometimes that I'm doing something that might be perceived as funny when it shouldn't be. And I'm like, is that was that okay? Like I don't because I don't want to sort of live in a tone that doesn't work well for the world. So I'm always eager to get a note from a director or if Raymond's like oh hey man, not not on this line but everyone was good with uh, with whatever I did so I hope that it, it came
2: out all right that's really interesting uh, because I mean we we noticed uh, it, that that episode had much more um, much more comedy than any of the the previous ones so did that? Did that go both ways? Um, you talk about you know getting getting notes saying, yeah, maybe maybe tone it down a bit. Did your comic background rub off on Ray particularly? Uh, was yeah, like you say, he was superb in this episode. Do you think he was yeah. he was picking up any vibes from you?
6: I don't know. I mean, I think that he he's a pretty talented guy, and he's just naturally very funny. Uh, his mm. Charisma is not sort of like, oh, it only works on camera. It works in person too. So I don't know that he needed much from me, certainly. I feel like the asides that he has to Addison are like really where he shines, Um, particularly in an episode like this where he's dealing with something that's so, um, yeah, you know, scary. It's like I have to perform an exorcism, but to have those little aside takes. Um, really, I think that's sort of the levity that a show like Quantum Leap, uh, really does well, um, and is able to take you out of sort of the seriousness and, and let you be, you know, watching a show and having fun. Um, also that this was the Halloween episode. I thought they needed some of that levity to sort of take away from the, the horror elements of it all. Um, but yeah, I, we, I thought it was really fun. And also just the way they shot it to have it be sort of all those canted angles and really, um, you know, take a lot of inspiration from horror films. Uh, you know, I'm sure the look is very different in this episode to uh, the other episodes.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, that was something else that we noticed that it's uh, the, the direction seemed very much uh, on point for for horror. Is is horror a genre that you're particularly fond of or familiar with? I love it. Like going to a
6: horror movie with friends is one of my favorite things in the world. Um, and then the bummer, like it's not a bummer, I guess, but if I miss a movie in theaters or if you know, I'm out of town when my friends are going to go see it, then I won't see that movie. And my girlfriend gets too scared to watch like real horror movies. And I don't like watching them alone because I might get too scared. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I was very excited when I saw this. It was like, oh, this is the exorcist um, or an exorcism episode. I've seen plenty of exorcism movies. Uh and it's not like oh I've seen enough of them. Um, I'm always eager, <laughs> eager to see the next one.
2: So I think all of that's kind of um, leading me round to just wondering, uh, going back a step to the the kind of the audition process and why this episode. How was how did you hear about it? What what actually got you involved in it in the first place? Was it because hey? You know, this this show's coming back, and here's a Halloween episode. It's something I want to aim for.
6: Um, I I got the audition through my agent, and it was uh, I mean, just still because of COVID protocols, I had to self tape it and send it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sort of like when it came across, I was like, quantum leap, like quantum leaps happening, um, because it wasn't on TV yet. Uh, they hadn't been promoting it yet. The week we were shooting was the week they premiered um so there was one day at lunch where they had one of the huge sound stages Mm. um they had like we're gonna have a screening at lunch uh and so everyone got their lunch and got to go in there and sort of i mean i think you know for it was super nice for the crew and the cast to be able to see it and sort of be together still a shame to be under covid protocols where everyone's masked up and um you know sitting apart from one another but it was uh from my perspective, it was really a delight to be there for that week and then to know that like, oh, then the numbers are gonna come out the next day and I hope like reviews are gonna come out. <laughs> I'm hoping it goes well, and everyone was in very good spirits and you know, one of the executive producers is like, Yeah, like we're really happy and um that's a nice mood to be around on a show. Um because I've also done like I've done a guest star on an episode of a show when they found out they were canceled or they found out and it was a live taping in front of a live studio audience. And it was like, oh, no. it was a show that had, I want to say 13 episodes, but they cut it off at 10 and they called everyone into this, uh, this dressing room to like tell them. And the executive producer's like, Josh, what are you doing here? I was like, I don't know. They said, everyone come in here. And it was like, well, <laughs> you can stay. And I like, bad news, everyone. So this was, uh, this was nice to be there for a good one. Um, and yeah it was uh yeah it was a fun fun atmosphere because of that
2: so that's um yeah that that really interests me because obviously as kind of um a sort of semi anthology show i guess a, a good proportion of the or at least a good proportion of the uh the actors and the talent in front of the camera that were there watching this screening weren't involved in it but did did you still yeah. f- get that that vibe that sort of feeling from everyone around you that this was this was something that you were a part of and you you wanted it to be a success
6: yeah i mean i think i i i'm i I root for every show really like i i want mm. shows to be good and for people to like shows i don't want shows to be on tv that people are like who's watching this like no. um, and yeah i think they're also You know, there's so much love for the original Quantum Leap that it sort of people were uh, buzzing a bit about like, oh, what's the new one going to be, and who's the new Scott Bakula esque character? And uh, yeah, and also, you know, because of the way this show goes, you know, a lot of people are like, are you going to come back on this show? And it's like, no, this is my my story's over. Like, it's very unlikely we're not going to. 1930, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it was, you know, it's fun to be part of that cast that is in for one week because you do so much stuff. And you do it all with Raymond. Um, and it, I, I think it's an interesting sort of gig for him and that he's always sort of being dropped in the middle of week to week, a brand new sort of guest cast. That he has to create some sort of a rapport with and uh and so yeah it's not it's not like a sitcom for him where it's the same eight people and maybe you're gonna have one new person. he's always in the midst of i don't know eight ten twelve new people um mm. which I think is is pretty unique um but yeah i was i I liked my t v family we got along really well, and you sort of create that familial vibe um
2: yeah, it was nice. Yeah, could you you tell me a little bit more about that that family atmosphere that you had with the uh, with the guest cast? Because yeah, like you say, eight eight ten twelve, however many it was. Uh, actually, I think it was probably only about six or seven, wasn't it? With this this yeah. group all coming together at once, all having these pre existing relationships, but just to uh, come together for eight days filming and then and then split apart. How how was that?
6: Um, I mean, it's always nice when you meet someone, it's like, oh, hey, you're my brother. You're my aunt. Like, you're my brother's wife. And, uh, and then to, like, to go see your house as well and, like, to exist in this house, this spooky house that was, like, everyone was telling us, like, oh, this is where they shot The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, like this old Dolly Parton movie that everyone starts talking about, like, they're like, oh, love Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. And it might be fine, but everyone's really leaning into that. Um,
2: I did not know but, that. We've, we've, was, yeah. is that, is that. Is that where that was filmed?
6: It was in that house on the Universal lot. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was called like the Chicken Ranch or something. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was there. That was that house, which they had to make a lot of improvements to before we went in to shoot because they hadn't shot there in years. It was sort of just a thing. Yeah. Uh, that I feel like you would drive by on the Universal Studios tour, but um, they had to, like, reinforce the second floor. It was like, nobody can go on that second floor until we do some work. Um, And there had been a fire, like, at some point on the lot years and years ago, so they had to, like, build um, sort of a fake fireplace or just something that would Mm -hmm. work like a fireplace without being a fireplace. Um, And... uh, so yeah, the crew had their work cut out for them. But as soon as you like one of the first scenes we shot was sitting around that dining room table, and you you start to feel what it's like in the space, and you're in the, the period clothes and the costumes, and it really starts to sort of take take shape.
2: Yeah, so that, that reminds me, yeah. So um universal obviously uh very that that, that's a very well-known um set that you were on that that whole strip um the the street has has had a lot of films made on it and and other things uh nearby as well What, what was it like being in such a kind of um an iconic uh part of hollywood
6: um i mean yeah that back lot is amazing also our house where we were right below that house is elm street um, from yeah, Nightmare on Elm right. Street. And they yeah. they shot yeah. a lot of the, uh, like the trick-or-treating stuff was shot on Elm Street, um, which also adds another level to the sort of, oh, the mm-hmm. Halloween episode. And um, this sort of, to me, the most funny, and I'm sure to uh, some people that were on the Universal Studios tour, the most disappointing is we were, the house was right above the Jaws Lagoon. Um which I don't believe any of Jaws was actually shot there. But if you're on the Universal Studios tour, spoiler alert, there's a Jaws thing. And you you pull up next to this lagoon and uh, there's like fire sort of goes off. These barrels explode Mm -hmm. um, and this giant shark sort of like comes out of the water at you, this animatronic shark. But because we were right up the hill, they had to kill the audio for the whole sort of I think it's like one of the most spectacular moments of the Universal Studios tour. But because we were shooting and we needed to have clean audio, the tour would continue. But everything would happen with no audio <laughs> at this at this Jaws lagoon. Um, and as you'd like be walking by, you'd see this shark popping out and sort of fire. and All these people just sitting there, but like no, no oomph behind it um, because of us.
2: It- it it's been 30 years since i've done that tour and the jaws bit is the only bit that i remember uh from my childhood yeah. so <laughs> you just spoiled that for some some poor 10-year-old kid uh yeah but well worth it um definitely for, yes, exactly. for definite <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's interesting you mention about the the period clothes because i'm i'm always very interested in how everything that's going on around you must must be very helpful to the actor for kind of getting, getting into the the spirit of it. No pun intended. Um, but yeah. this is, this is the first episode of the season where there's been some real special effects, some, some CGI effects going on um, that obviously you couldn't see. Is that something that you're used to, to dealing with? Um, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't too jarring. There was, uh,
6: there was an actress who was playing, like a, sh- a shadow, essentially. Okay. And she would sort of be lurking in the back of some scenes, but a lot of times you'd just see her, like, out uh, in the tent where we would go, where we weren't needed on set, and there's just, like, a girl in a black bodysuit and, like, <laughs> creepy makeup and black hair, and uh, she was very nice. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> But there was like, yeah, there was, there was that element, but all the, all the special effects stuff came in later. Um, yeah. Which made it, which made it fun to watch back and see sort of what was actually happening there. Um,
2: yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess um, in, in all your interactions with the, the rest of the actors, you probably got some, um, maybe some more amusing memories, um, uh, maybe some, some slightly offbeat ones. Is there anything that you can, can share well
6: my favorite thing uh Cheeto played the doctor and he was like a college football player um i feel like he's still like a boxer a fighter <laughs> he's really fit um and he uh dropped something at some point he dropped his script and he could physically could not bend over because he would just rip through his like the period pants that he was wearing um and i was like oh i can get this for you because i'm not as fit as you are (laughs) Um, but uh but it was really funny to see him like drop his his sides his like small script and look down and just be like there's no way i can't i can't physically bend over um to get that and then also like you know to do something like this with a lot of special effects and with the horror element to it. Um, Carrie who played Daisy was just so excited to be possessed and was so excited to get the scars on her face and to like, to go into the makeup trailer and have them tell her what she was going to, what they were going to do, what their plan was. And she was just over the moon um, with, with getting to play this possessed girl, which yeah, it's a, it's a fun thing to uh to sink your jagged little teeth into um if given the opportunity.
2: Um that's really cool to know. Um so with all that um with all that kind of upbeat stuff I guess going on uh against all the the levity against the the scares was there anything Was there anything a bit creepy happening behind the scenes at all? Not really. I mean, the only thing,
6: it's not creepy, but when I, and I, spoiler alert, I get arrested at the end of this episode by a constable that we use these like vintage uh, handcuffs, which were small and sort of, they're not shaped super well. They're kind of in an oval And the first time they put them on me, they sort of like pinched my wrist. And it was in a rehearsal. And I was like, hey, can we just like run through that again so that doesn't happen? And it was like, well, what's wrong with them? I was like, well, they just like, they like sort of nipped onto my wrist. And they were like, all right, well, like, let's try it. And we tried a couple of times and then we're shooting it. And uh, I get the cuff slapped on me and they truly like took a bite out of my wrist. And I might have have this little mark forever and ever. I don't know. and I was like, they were like, was that better? And I was like, no, it was much worse, much worse. <laughs> um, and you don't want to yowl in the moment. Uh, you just want to be like, oh, shucks, I'm getting these handcuffs on me and you take me off. But uh, And you don't want <laughs> the guy playing the constable to feel bad for digging into you. Not his fault. But um, if that was creepy and
2: scary, I don't think so. But it was a bummer. <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. Maybe one last, one last thing I'd just like to ask you about. Um, so one of the things, because this is effectively a whodunit, um, there's all of the cast are doing that, playing that wonderful game of trying to drop some hints to the audience that it might be them. Um, yeah. When it actually isn't. Did you, did you have any particular process for approaching that and, as the person who would eventually be unveiled as the mastermind behind it all, um, just dropping those subtle hints and winks to the audience without dropping too much. How did you get in the headspace? Yeah, well, on that? I think that,
6: you know, I always have marked down in a script, like what's just happened and what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And, um, I did, I did get a note early on. There's a moment where, uh, Shane, who plays my brother, is like getting angry at the at the dining room table and he's going to be cut out of the will. And I was sort of enjoying that. And they were like, you shouldn't enjoy that that much. And I sort of thought like, well, but I would because that would mean the money could come to me. Um, Also, as the. Sort of as the bad guy, I didn't want to lean into too much of like, I'm the bad guy. Uh, I let Mm -hmm. other people do that um to throw things off. Although we also think um that uh that my brother's wife, Elise, she was I think the real bad guy. I was a bit of a patsy in all this. Um if, Clearly. if, we're, if yeah. we're splitting hairs. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I did it for love. She did it for like Hollywood, Hollywood
2: dreams. Yeah. 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 That that's a reasonable reason to uh to poison a young girl, I think your daughter
6: <laughs> yeah
2: not yeah. my daughter her daughter her daughter but her she daughter. wanted it. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so there we go now we definitely need a sequel to the episode um so uncle percy can uh have have his moment to, to justify yeah, himself maybe yeah. yeah yeah thank you absolutely um Well, that's been great. I mean, looking to, uh, I mentioned a sequel to the episode, looking to the future, maybe. Um, can I ask what's what you've got coming up, uh, in, in your world in the coming weeks and months? Is there anywhere that our viewers can check you out? Well, it's almost Christmas. So I got
6: Christmas coming up. Very excited about that. Um, My girlfriend and I did our tree last night and I couldn't find my charger. I was going to have our tree behind us, uh, behind me, instead of some of my girlfriend's equestrian ribbons. This weekend I'm shooting a short film uh, about the Anne Frank gift shop um, with uh, some really talented people. I'm excited. Mickey Rapkin, um, who wrote the book uh, for Pitch Perfect before it was turned into a movie. Um, He's written and uh, is directing this. Um, Kate Burton uh, is in it which I'm very excited to work with her and some uh, some great other actors uh, so that's going to be a short film I'm not sure where that will show up and then uh, I'm going to Chicago to shoot uh, an independent pilot about uh, gig workers uh, in the gig economy and how they get screwed over that's called Resignation um, and I have a really sort of fun role as uh as sort of someone who takes advantage of, uh, of a gig worker. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that and then looking forward to the holidays and seeing what the new year has in store.
2: Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you've got some good stuff coming up. Um, as you get details, do, do drop us a line about them and we can, uh, we can add them to the, uh, description onto the YouTube video. So the viewers Excellent. will be able to, uh, to find it from there. Um, but look, it's been been really great talking to you Thank you for your time um, Have pleasure. a very, very Merry Christmas um, And uh, yeah, catch you later Josh Cheers Alright, be well, bye